Consequence Podcast Network. My friendship to all of you precludes my involvement with any one of you. But if you want to make love, then I do too. And I'll be right there behind you. Greetings, constant listeners, and welcome once again to the Losers Club, a Stephen King podcast from Consequence of Sound. I am one of your four hosts this evening. Well, we're recording this evening, so I'll say this evening. My name is Justin Gerber, a senior writer at Consequence of Sound. And I'm not sure about the others in this room, but my mother taught me two things in life. It was okay to play with dollhouses and always use your napkins during meals. That's right, gang. To quote Merlin and John Borman's 1981 classic Excalibur, it's time to look into the eyes of the dragon and despair. But first, let's let the other losers introduce themselves, <laughs> reveal the edition from which they read, and talk about when they first encountered this material. To my right, hear ye, hear ye. What is your name? <laughs> Hi, this is Mel Frisky Castle. Whoa. Uh, that's not innuendo. It's the name of a very important character in the book. Whoa. Oh, I like man. how you introduce it like it's a game show. Like, I feel like we're playing for prizes. Um, I love dragons. Loved dragons since I was a little girl. Always sought out dragon-related material. One of my pet peeves in life that I think I've mentioned to multiple losers is when a book contains the word dragon in the title or advertises a dragon on its cover and then incorporates no dragon into the book. This book almost does this. There is a dragon. There's a cheat. It's whatever. <laughs> yeah. But um, I There's two have, dragons. <laughs> I've owned Eyes of the Dragon for a while. I don't know where this copy came from. Most of my King books, I have no idea where they came from. It's a old hardcover copy. It's a Viking edition. Um, it's got the illustrations in it that everybody has. And I've tried to start it two times before reading it in its entirety for this podcast. And it never grabbed me enough for me to finish it, uh, which is very odd. I feel, I'm into fantasy novels. Um, I'm into Stephen King. And I guess this one just didn't have the breakneck pace that I was looking for when I uh, tried it the first couple of times. Um, so that was my intro to the book. Ah, and across from you is Mackenzie uh, uh, Dragon Sand Gerber. Okay. Wow. Almost no alliteration in there. <laughs> Mackenzie uh, Poison Gerber. Hey, there's no M uh, characters in this. Uh, Are Merlin there? Morgana. Oh, oh yeah, Merlin. Uh, I'm thinking about fantasy people. This is my first time reading Eyes, and uh, I I was really excited because I, I obviously it takes place in the old uh, realm of the the, the midworld. Mm-hmm. So um, being a, a real um, tower head, I was really excited to to get into the history of of, of you know midworld and explore some of that. And uh, you know, first page, I was like, whoa, some some big revelations. Uh, yeah, so that was my intro- my introduction to it was literally you know like a few months ago. Excelente, excelente, and we have somebody returning to the podcast. He made his debut what seems like twenty five years ago when the Dark Tower film came out, and it's another Dan, but it's not Dan Caffrey. It is this is Dan Desperate Housewives of Delane Flieger. <laughs> oh, the HDF. <laughs> yeah, good to be back, guys. Um, yeah, it's I'm. Uh, like you hey, guys, fellow what? tower heads, yeah. Um, but no, I read this book in college, and uh, this was it was nice to kind of return and revisit, join the old friends again. And I'm looking forward to talking to you about because you did not necessarily read it this time around. You had it read to you 
by one of our favorite perfect strangers. <laughs> yes, Bronson Pinchot. That's that right. How you say it? That's right. Um, the guy who played Belky on Perfect Strangers. It was a little ahead of my time, that show, but I yeah. remember catching snippets of it. Um, and well, yeah, it we was have also, plenty of thoughts on that. Of course, in the Stephen King classic, The Langoliers on yes, ABC. Yes. Oh, that's right. One of the few bright spots in that adaptation. Mel, have you ever seen The Langoliers? No. I've, nor have I. Is it a, an adaptation? Oh, it's an adaptation. I haven't oh. read the story either. It has... It's not hyperbolic for me to say it's the worst freeze frame ending in the history of cinema. Or Wait, it, I think I, you guys have, have described the ending to me yes. before. Yeah. Well, that the, with the two monsters chomping no, away at Well, that's, that's, oh, that's, 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 that's the climax yeah. of the film, but the actual ending is... Seek it on YouTube. That's all I'm going to say. Can I just say, when you said he had it read to him, it sounded like you were going to say, like, <laughs> like an old woman in a rocking chair. Well, Dan, before, before Dan went to bed every night, he had Bronson Pinchot yeah. reading him chapters of Eyes of the Dragon. That's, there's nothing wrong with that. He's been looking for work, Bronson Pinchot. Anyway, before we get into all that, a lot of people were asking, hey, why, why are we doing Eyes of the Dragon now? Why are we doing Eyes of the Dragon in 1987? Well. Is it possible we made a mistake? Oh, no. Au contraire. Au contraire, Mel. I definitely didn't write this down when I give you the, um, the history of the book. Right, well, we've used the Stephen King Revisited website, which is run by King Enthusiast and co-writer Richard Cheesemar in the past. And we used it again to glean a little info into the history of the Eyes of the Dragon. Here's the thing. In 1984, King actually published 1,250 copies through his personal imprint, Filtrum Press. Now, the book would be mass-marketed through Viking in 1987, which is an edition that I think all of us read read from with those illustrations. Mm -hmm. But major changes were made from that 1984 edition. And there were earlier introductions for Ben in the 87 version, namely the race that he and Peter participate in as children, as well as earlier entries for both Brandon and Dennis. The genders of the animals Frisky and Peony kept switching back and forth in the original edition. Peony. Peony. Is it peony? It's a type of flower, a peony. Oh, I got. I have got to go back to Blown my up garden. on your floral knowledge. I'll tell you what, I, I really am. <laughs> a peony. F- a fool am I. I think you have peony. Panini, I think. You're I can like, use some oh, peony right now. just added right one now. letter to the word pony. It makes perfect sense. <laughs> That's what he did. Oh, he's trying to be all clever. Um, anyway. They, he kept switching back and forth between the genders of the animals on accident in the original edition, so that was rectified as well. And again, though, the illustrations changed. Uh, Kenneth Linkhauser did the limited edition, while David Palladini did the 87 and much more popular and much more available edition. And we'll be referencing those illustrations in this episode. Would love to have seen those original illustrations, though. You're in luck. If you could go to um, this website, www.google.com. Oh, is it really that widely available? It? Yeah, uh, G. Am I pronouncing it? Is it gaggle? Or no, it's like. I think it's jugal. Jugal. It's a type of flower. <laughs> am I pronouncing the E right? I it's, think it's, um, I think it's, it's on actually there. giggle. It's, it is it's on jugle. there. All joking aside, though, you can find the um, those old illustrations on there. And for those of you lucky people out there who have the 84 edition, you know what? Send us a, po- send us a picture. And send us a postcard with a picture on it. That would be even better. That's, that's where my uh, dialogue was going. Anyway. In addition to Eyes of the Dragon, two other King books were released in November of 1984. The Talisman, co-written by Peter Straub, and Thinner, released under his famous pseudonym Richard Bachman. I could not find an exact release day for Eyes of the Dragon. So the bottom line is this. We needed more time in between books because The Talisman is so freaking long and Pet Cemetery is so depressing. And why not fill the slot with a fantasy novel? 
And now the eyes of the dragon is dedicated to Ben Straub and Naomi King, children of Peter and Stephen, respectively, with the teenage Naomi encouraging him to finish it when he had reservations early on. I did it the courtesy of writing eyes of the dragon, King said for myself too, because if you were writing for someone else, you always write it down. He calls a novel an adult novel masquerading as a children's story in the vein of Treasure Island or The Hobbit. Wow. <laughs> That's high a, praise from high himself. Praise from himself. <laughs> yeah. You know, the, the Ulysses, uh, the Odyssey, everything else. And so that is our it's brief history. Like and that explains somewhat why we're doing this one now and not waiting until next month. But it does check out. It checks out. 1984, that's when it was technically released. We're it's sticking also with it. 84, the only Stephen King solo book. There you go. Absolutely true. No, no Bachman or Straub involved in this particular... Well, it, a, a Straub dedication happens in yeah. this. That's about it. But. I've got a couple Hobbit notes in here. Oh, go ahead, please. Yeah. Oh, right now. No, okay. not... What, oh, you want to do it later on? Does this have no, to do with the history? Not really. I, just, I didn't know when we were going to bring it up. No, no, we'll bring it up later on. We'll bring it up later on um, as we go through the opening. history and everything else. But that's the history of the heroes and the villains of this uh, particular story later on. But um, before we do that, let's break down the synopsis. So who, so Mel, you don't really have a synopsis in yours because yours is the, the hardcover, correct? But I think it's just missing a jacket. Yeah, you're just, <laughs> well, also, your dog also ate the hell out of that uh, book. Yeah, if you can't see this, <laughs> listeners, but the spine of my book is chewed thoroughly. <laughs> It makes Most it look really old and uh, antiquated and really sh- professional. Just stick with it. Say, I found it in the back of a used bookstore. Look how beautiful it is. All right. So do you, uh, Mac and Dan have, we'll call them rivaling editions. And do you have uh, s- similar synopsis or different? Exactly. Verbatim. Really? Yeah, it's the same. I'll let, I'll let Dan read this if he wants to. Well, if you want to read it at the same time, that will be really fun. No. Thank you, sir. No, it won't. <laughs> I'll start <laughs> Mel will be very upset. Uh, okay. Trailer. Once, Once upon, upon a time, there no, was terror. No, please don't do this. This is a bad idea. And princes. <laughs> All right, hold on. All right, go All ahead. Right, I'll, I'll take over. Go ahead, Dan. Okay. Once upon a time, there was terror and dragons and princes, evil wizards and dark dungeons, an enchanted castle and a terrible secret. With this enthralling masterpiece of magical evil and daring adventure, Stephen King takes you in his icy grip and leads you into the most shivery and irresistible kingdoms of wickedness the eyes of the dragon um well it's cold at certain points and then i've got a couple <laughs> i got the icy grip a couple <laughs> reviews here that is a, oh. the sorcery of stephen king dot 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 ex- expertly seductive dot 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 the kind of book that keeps you up red-eyed with fatigue until 2 a.m because it's just not possible to stop turning the pages so mel why couldn't you stop turning the pages? Why, why <laughs> are you are able to stop? Misleading. First of all, the there's one kingdom. Very true. One kingdom that we visit in this book. Oh, wait. <laughs> this other <laughs> one here. This is from the Chicago Sun-Times. Wow. Memorable, compelling, suspenseful, brimming with action. Also not true, but <laughs> we'll not, get to that. It's just not true. This is like high praise for the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> what is this? Oh, is it really? Oh, wow. So you, I can't believe this is the first time we've had two different editions, but the same synopsis on both. Wow, they really didn't even try to, to spruce paste. it up. Congratulations. Maybe one's like a British edition over here. Who knows? Is it possible? I don't know. They also gave up on, on Dan's cover. <laughs> Let's see. Oh, Dan's yeah. cover, Mel, you, you oh, refer to it yeah. as maybe a frog or a snake. It's it like looks a, like a raptor. It's a photograph of a real reptile eye. It honestly looks, looks like a tree frog eye. <laughs> it's probably a snake eye. And then like some proportionally incorrect jawline with big teeth. But it doesn't even look... It looks like it doesn't have a snout. Like, it looks really weird. Yeah, he has, like, uh, Tyrannosaurus Rex teeth, and it's sort of a 
chameleon looking lizard and it's out of focus. Yeah, where's the nostril? Like where does that end? It looks like a like a bad selfie. If you look at it really <laughs> close enough, we'll have to take a picture of this and post it up later on. So yeah, there you have it. The extremely accurate description of the eyes of the dragon told um by young Dan Flieger. Now, before we get into the meat and potatoes of the story, let's have some salad. Let's get into the hook. Ah. Yes. Don't you see? Don't you see how clear it all is? Not only can you see the future, you can... I can change it. You can change it, exactly. Mel, I don't think you like my seamless transition using the uh, salad in place of the hook. Well, honestly, I'm, I'm anticipating the genius behind it because I don't understand it yet. Well, genius doesn't explain genius, so... Wow. Well, I guess I'll forever be in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're, you're selling yourself short. The hook of this story is fairly simple, wouldn't you say? What would, Mac, if you had to say what the hook of the Eyes of the Dragon is, what would you say? Everyone give your elevator pitch for yes. Eyes of the Dragon. You're, you're in the room with Bantam or whoever, who is this uh, at the time? Viking. Oh, that's right, Viking. <laughs> and you're trying to pitch the story. Go ahead. We've got dragons, we've got <laughs> princes, we've got kings. You couldn't want anything else. We've also got icy cold Stephen King humming <laughs> this book. You're going to love it. Oh, hey, you sold me. Dan, if you had to walk into the Viking offices and pitch this book, what would you say? Um, I would say it's a fantastical transition from boyhood to manhood. Mm. Very good, very good, very good. Mel? Three words. King does fantasy. I like it already. How about, I got two words for you, Mr. Viking, John Viking. Uh, napkins and dollhouses. <laughs> oh. And Stephen King's writing it. Okay, oh, whatever you, you want to do, what? Mr. King. If you, if, you, if you brought up Stephen King after that, I would have been actually like really intrigued. Like, oh, what's he going to do with napkins and dollhouses? He's been able to turn all these other objects into these terrifying things. Well, it's funny because, <laughs> early, no joke, earlier, earlier drafts of this story, it was just called The Napkins. Yeah, <laughs> I, I saw it was that. just called yeah. Napkins. Napkins. Yeah, the... Napkins. Not even, yeah. the, not I think, even the... I think that's what we're going to go. I think the podcast is now assuming that name, too. The Napkins Club? Yep. It sounds like, like a already. junior college creative writing prompt, like, <laughs> right? The subject is napkins. Go. It's just it's like, napkins club. <laughs> it's just napkins club. Not yeah, so, the. Somebody walks around with like a top hat and says, "Whatever you pull out of this hat, <laughs> you have to write about." <laughs> yeah. Oh, napkins! Yeah. Finally, um, yeah. So this is definitely King's real, full-on foray into fantasy writing because we have we've had the Dark Tower, the Gunslinger already. We've discussed but that's that. also very steep, very much steeped into like the Western. Yes, kind agreed. Of, and I'm actually uh, sort of astounded that none of the uh, promotional materials mention Flag because we've already had the Dark Tower. That's You know, it's very strange to me because they literally dro- name drop Flag on page one. However, so, in early editions of The Gunslinger, I do not believe the, the word, the name Flag. Dan is also is, a, a, a feature Dark Tower head over here. He knows a lot, too. Walter O'Dim, Walter the O'Dim. Man in Black. It was not revealed until the third book, and then he went oh back and rewrote. And he wrote you guys think, I guess we can talk Wait, about so, this. Wait, so we've it. also got yeah. The Stand already. But The Stand had come out. Oh, yeah, sure. That's, yeah. that's why I'm like, why? Because they definitely call him Flag oh, in yeah. that. He's so, flagging that. That is an very, interesting call. I don't know why they didn't totally sell this as... Remember that guy you loved in the stand? Well, he's back. Well, he's back in black. It's also possible that because <laughs> it's, <laughs> because it's such a they, we haven't really 
I don't know, because we have the Dark Tower, we have the Gunslinger already, so we, we've already established there's other worlds, et cetera, et cetera, so I'm surprised no one jumped on this and as, was... As know, Jake once said, there are other worlds the than these. That's oh, very true. <laughs> Thanks, Maybe Justin. they really did want to hammer home like how different this book was. Like It's his foray into fantasy. It's a completely other beast. Like Nothing has prepared you for this. That is also true. Yeah. I mean, it's its own thing. It really is its own thing, and... Again, the fact that it came out in 84, kind of, but then wasn't released fully until years later. Who knows if that also screwed with the promotion of the books at that point. I mean, The Stand was a very popular book when it came out, but that was about nine years earlier at that point. Again, Drawing the Three hadn't even come out yet. The Gunslinger had come out years and years earlier. So I don't know what he was trying to tackle here. But the bottom line is this. The book is dedicated to two children. I think that really plays heavily into the theme um, of the story and the way it's written, as he even alludes to himself in the history of the book I, I gave earlier on. Let me tell you, here's my, here's my other pitch for this book. How about this? Okay. About this? No one gets well, well, got, well the other one, when I mentioned the napkins and dollhouses, the guy went, ah, I don't know about this. So I said, well, hold on. This will be to the dark tower. What Disney's the sword and the stone is to the once and future King. It's more or less a children's retelling of a legend. Does that sell it kind of? Well, except there's no pre-existing legend well if you're saying the dark tower well the dark tower exists at this point if you're saying that the dark tower universe exists at this point and this is kind of a more children friendly a version of it i would say a fairy tale version yeah yes because much more fairy tales are dark this is dark it is i think king kind of rears his but but remember like the grimness of reality is still here like all the time in this oh yeah the brother's grimness of reality oh yeah famous a famous uh Fable fairy tales. Bros. Fun That's fact, right. Brothers Grimm wrote a lot of their stories in Castle, the town in Germany that is my last name. Oh. oh. Castle Rock, perhaps. Nope, Ooh. Completely different. No, that's a different spelling. Different spelling. I'll sure. <laughs> I'll double check. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I'm saying maybe the German version is spelled Castle Rock with like an E at the, at the very end. Oh. I, I took three years of German. You figure <laughs> I would know how to spell rock in German, but oh well. <laughs> Thanks, Frau. That was what our German teacher, teacher made, made us call her, by the way. Bitta just made, made you? Doesn't get any. <laughs> made us. <laughs> Forbade us to talk to her any other way. Um, uh, what, what, what else are we going to talk about here with well, this? Well, brought, up, history brought up a very key theme in this book, which is mm. growing up. Becoming yes. a man or a king, as it were. Oh. Right. The journey of leadership, courage, um, sort of letting go of the, you know, the things that hold us to childhood. And you can see between the two brothers especially – they both sort of take different paths um, to sort of wind up at their adulthood. It's true. One grows up a little too quick when he turns to alcohol too soon. And then one waits very, very patiently. <laughs> Would you say time. that this book teaches us that maybe patience is a virtue? It is Ooh. a virtue. Yes. I, I wrote down patience, mm-hmm. resourcefulness, mm-hmm. manners, oh, and yes. innate kingly qualities, which is where this book confuses me a little bit because I feel that it is trying to be incredibly real at points and and sort of point to the nuances of of life and personalities but it also is super committed to the idea that this guy was born to be a king he's fated to be a king and there's really nothing anyone can do to take that away from him so it's, it's interesting to me i feel like stephen king really wants to be married to the idea that uh people are so complicated and anyone can change and 
destinies rely on these minute changes in chaos theory, but he also really clearly likes character traits that are unmoving and unchangeable. And we'll talk about the parallels between this and Shawshank later, but oh, there's yeah. a lot of of Dufresne in Peter, I think. I would agree with that take, Mel. I think it's it's him fighting against his, his impulses a lot of the time because this is very much told, like I said earlier, in, in a like you're telling it to children, you know, but... All of his other novels, you're not telling those stories to children. Well, except for App Pupil, of course. You're telling that to the, uh, a child at the early stage possible. Yeah. And there's there's one line, too, that I think... <laughs> oh, God. Um, no, but there's one line, too, about... Um, I think it's Sasha, and they're talking about, you know, you have a childhood toy that you love, and if you get a new one, it doesn't make you forget the older toy, but I think that kind of symbolizes that transition from childhood to adulthood. There's kind of a bittersweetness there that you do have to let go of the past, and no matter what you do, you're never going to be able to fully reconnect with the the present with the past. Yeah. I mean, there is a lot of little things going on throughout the book. It's a long book. Um, I don't, I did not remember it being this long when I read it for the first time, like 15 years ago, but it's, um, there's a couple sections later on in the book that I'll just say you could have probably just cut out completely, but we'll get to that a little bit later on. Let's, you know, let's stay in the kingdom is all I'm going to say. Let's just stay in the kingdom. Patience, definitely a theme. Not not a virtue for me, apparently. I was like, let's get this thing going on. No, but <laughs> I think kingliness, like what it means to be a king or what it means to be a man or yes. what it means to be someone who looks out for others. I and mean, what, what else do you guys think? Almost uh, every other fairy tale trope that there could possibly be. Except there is no real, you know what? There's no damsel in distress here. There's there, a, there's there a Peter. There are women, actually. There's a, there, there, yeah, you know what? That's a, yeah. How about, let's well, talk about this a little bit, too, because... Well, f- well, the two women right out the gate, which is Sasha and then um, what's a Roland's grandfather's wife. I can't remember her name, but in, in the story when they talk about how Flag's been around for a long time, both women are like really strong headed and like good, like strong willed and have a good head on their shoulders. And it, it says both times, I mean, both times he tries to get them out of the picture immediately because he's like, they're not going to be good for my, for my future. Plans, yeah. So they're like these strong women characters that he kills like immediately because <laughs> he can't, he can't be around without, with them there because yeah. they would like and totally he, usurp him. Even Naomi who, shares the book dedication with Ben is like almost an afterthought. Like the and, second and the, they're like but I like what we get order. of her. She's kind of, you know, she's tough. She's smoking yeah. cigars. I'm like, let's hear some more from this character. Yeah, she's but uh, that wildling. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, George R. R. Martin came out. What was interesting though, is even though the, there's not a lot of strong female characters throughout it, it's the lessons that they teach Peter early that's on true. that kind of carry over and help him to eventually escape. If and it was not about, for his mother, yeah, he would still be up there now. Taught him the manners. She's the one, you know, that, he played with the dollhouse because of her mm-hmm. memory. He saw how people around would gravitate toward her because she was kind and fair. And a lot of those early lessons kind of, in a way, kind of make him like the male Rapunzel. Um, yeah. You know, he's well, in, yeah, the tower, in the tower. And it's, there's a lot of similarities there. Obviously, oh, he's yeah. climbing down rather than using napkins instead, up, of, yeah. instead of golden hair, of course. Yes, yes, yes. I agree <laughs> with that, too. This is true. Um, I feel like the book is concerned with weak-willed men. Mm. Oh yeah, absolutely. My God. But I, I also am just still angry. I mean, I don't. That's not just to be like, ah, yeah, but the women are too strong to be in here. Is not representation. <laughs> I can't oh, write no, about this. Yeah, no, no, no. It's not represented well. No, I agree with that. I do agree. With yeah. That. We should say Happy International Women's Day. Oh yes, it's that's right. It's right. an honor. We're and doing. From, uh, now on, I will be the only one to talk on this podcast. <laughs> that's right. So, we can see um, the floor to Mel until midnight. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> until midnight, <laughs> Central Standard Time. Is it time to talk a little bit about the structure and format of this book? I think it might be. 
Well, structure in the format, we, we, we touched upon this a little bit already. It's very much told in that fairy tale vein, you know, and it's broken down into what feels like hundreds of mini chapters. Right? Chapters of varying length. Yes. That vary between a regular size and a couple sentences. I feel like the last, there's 20 chapters in the last six pages. You're like, oh, this is, a lot. oh no, it's, it's over with. No, we're done. Okay. All right. Well, fair enough. It's very much like Running Man in that in that respect. I was going to say the short short chapters. For me, I, I like the short chapters. I, I I like being able to complete something. You know, if, if you know, my train rides are very uh, irregular, so you know, I like to be like, oh, I can get there, I can get there, and I stop, and then I'm like, good, I'm at the beginning of a new section when Mac I come needs back to this to be book. Fed chapters like Scooby Snacks. I need yeah. I I need it. I need it. <laughs> well, it's sort of like that book House of Leaves, where there's certain chapters oh, that yes. I think are just one word, literally. What's funny is that book is somehow available for the Kindle. And Don't it's ever. like, can you imagine? I, I'm not kidding. So I, I checked it out just to take a look at it, even though it's the worst way to obviously read that book. And, you know, I'm like turning my Kindle upside down. I'm, I'm trying to like, it's folk, like, like do close ups. <laughs> it's like it keeps reverting back. So I can't look, I can't read anything. Um, no, no shots of House of Leaves, but um, it's going to be a t- it's gonna be a while before I'm able to read that book. I don't know. Do you want to borrow it? Yeah. Can I borrow it, Mel? Yeah. I think I have two copies. Oh, Dan, do you have one? Do you want to? No, no, I haven't read it in a long time. I'd love to. Uh, I also think that it's structured this way because, like we were saying, it is it is geared more towards a young audience mm-hmm. or younger audience. Um, I I wouldn't say it's like a YA novel or anything like that, but it's uh, it's definitely for the younger. Well, I know a lot of YA novels where like a young boy looks at his father naked. Does that happen in the Hunger Games or anything like that? What? Oh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I didn't read the Hunger Games books. So maybe. Uh, so maybe. Um, so maybe it does. We've, we've got a narrator who occasionally addresses us uh, as part of the structure and format. Is there any doubt that this is Stephen King? Yeah, that's what I was reading. Like, to is Stephen King the narrator? I, I feel like it's, it's Stephen King reading to Naomi. So I think it's King reading to Naomi only because there's a point later on, and I'll have to find you guys and keep talking, but there's a point later on where he says, like, oh, he's, they say that. That um, Peter's in the tower mm-hmm. and he's just still a hundred feet up, and he says um, that it's f- it's about four stories of one of our yeah. buildings. Yeah, he he does make a he couple references, references yeah, to our world. To like our world. He does. So I was like, oh, okay, because originally I thought maybe this was a narrator telling a story from this world mm-hmm. in the future. You know, which you know could still be the case. You know, maybe he crossed over. <laughs> there's even the part. There's a couple of more references like that. He writes, "There were no faucets and no flushing toilets." Because the kingdom of Delane did not know uh. about such things and doesn't even to this day. And so it's still out there to keep the illusion alive. Mm. And then upon hearing news of Peter's trial, uh, he writes, uh, if Delane had had a stock market, I suppose it would have crashed. So there's a lot of, and there's one part where he says, hi, this is Stephen King. I hope you're enjoying the eyes of the dragon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, it's- Let's take a little break now. <laughs> yeah. uh, we'll be back for chapter 43. This is King at his most schmaltzy, these little oh, breaks. I really God, yeah. don't like it. It's it's something that I, I can take in the little doses that he kind of hands out in introductions and stuff to books. But I every time it happens, I'm like, oh. And just about every chapter ends with a kind of a comforting moment. Like, well, don't worry. Things will get yeah. things will be okay in a minute. Yeah, you know? foreshadowing is another oh thing that's God, just yeah. like doled out like Oof. it's fucking Christmas. Yeah, there's so much self-deprecating humor too, where he's like Perhaps a better storyteller would be able to. And you're like, you're the most prolific author in history. Like, don't humble uh, brag. You've been doing this for 10 years. Yeah. You're, but it, you're fine. But in The Dark Tower, too, I mean, to, not to get too far ahead, um, but he is sort of this multi-universe storyteller. Yeah. And, you know, this idea was probably still bubbling in his head, but I think you could kind of retcon going back and saying, yeah, he is this 
omniscient storyteller that can narrate any story that's in the universe. Yeah, not to get too too far ahead, but I think you might be onto something. If you've read the Dark Tower books, you might really be onto something. We'll get to those books uh, probably next year, I think, at this point. We're, we're getting pretty close to this. Have me back for some of those. I would oh, absolutely. love to. I think everybody here has read the Dark Tower, right? I haven't read, like, went through the keyhole. Well, it's, it's good, but I'm saying the actual seven book series. series. Yes. Yeah. So we're all... So we're all very familiar with all the characters. Yeah, I've forgotten a lot of it. Well, but I remember what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> hint, hint, wink, wink. So yeah, the structure of the format. It's told in a fairy tale way, broken down by the chapters. But something big we're leaving out, those illustrations. Oh, man. We've got to talk about those illustrations and how impactful I, f- I felt they were to the story. And, and how they really drove home. I mean, it's really, I don't want to diminish it in any way, but they, they very much do read or do. They're, they're very visual in the way that you would see in children's literature for, for for instance yeah i did not have the illustrations in my book but i went on did, oh yeah question I, for you. I logged into the google site you mentioned earlier and found some did bronson pinch over once in a while just describe the the, the pictures <laughs> no he painted such a beautiful picture with his voice that <laughs> visuals were not necessary silent scene uh so did anybody have any favorite uh pictures they want to talk about in the, in the illustrations i should say to, to keep it classy any of them involving a dragon i feel like are pretty cool yeah, I, mean, I, like, I like the one that you're looking at right now, actually, a Yeah, lot. there's one where Thomas is looking through the eye of the dragon, and we see most of the illustration is taken up by this close shot of the dragon's eye socket and nostril and face, and then you kind of see Thomas's face peering out of it, or part of it anyway. Um, but we were kind of discussing before coming in here that these illustrations are a little hit or miss. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, something about the little? faces that are really strange. They almost look anime but like the bridges of people's noses are always weird in these pictures. My my favorite picture is on two fourteen of the Signet book. Uh, it, it's of Peter uh, with like a, the napkin, and he's got a big scar on his face, and he kind of looks like a hunky Stephen King, doesn't he? Like a young <laughs> I know, hunky. You know yeah, you say I that. can see that. Right, right. Steve King. Oh, actually, he looks like that. yeah. There it is. He looks like Steve King. <laughs> He looks like Jim Carrey in the 1980s when he was doing stand-up circuits. <laughs> like, what was that movie, Rubberhead? <laughs> that Earth Girls Are Easy era. But there's still uh, something a little off about it. Like, like oh yeah, it's 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 the um, uh, not the, was it the perspective or like 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 he, like he, if he's standing there looking a certain way, like would like it just doesn't look quite right. There's a there's a comic book artist that gets all of the perspective wrong or not perspective wrong but like oh, the I know body sizes. It's like, I'm talking oh, about Leefield, Rob Leefield. Yes, and it's just like it's like your your body wouldn't contort in that way or like you know your torso's too big or the legs are too tiny. It's, it's like it's, very strange. It's mostly the faces. Like on page one thirty nine of my book, there's the illustration of Peter looking down from the needle at the celebrating crowd at Thomas's coronation and these people's faces are like very trollish or just I I don't even know how to describe them. They don't look like humans. No. <laughs> did you did, did, I was too busy looking for hunky Stephen King. Did did you mention the, this one the the the, oh, the yeah, that the two, that, the sack, is, that is the, the two ultimate example race. of this is for children. <laughs> it's the, oh, it's yeah, the sack absolutely. race scene. And I think that that's where the illustrations work is when they're a little bit more vague, a little bit more stylized like yeah. you said like the, the dragon pictures, the one of um I think there's one of flag in his tower, mm-hmm. you know, lighting his finger on fire. That's a great one. Like it's just those are kind of cool because they're not 
to they're not um, paying attention to too much detail. You can you're, uh, enough's left to your imagination where the the picture is kind of like just kind of a starter for yeah, your imagination. There's a great one of the tiny loom in the dollhouse too, and Peter's giant fingers. That yeah, might be yeah. that might be my favorite one because that's the whole story right there. Essentially, at least that's all about his escape right there. Um, th- th- I like the little ones at the end of some of these chapters. I like the one with the locket and a little bit of blood on it. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, after the big death, and then but the the the, the, the uber close up of Flag once again just screams. Um, I hope you're between the ages of eight and thirteen. You know, it's just very evil. There's no question that this is a villain. You know what I mean? Whereas you know the stand version of Randall Flag is kind of, was kind of described later on by King as a Jeff Goldblum looking person. Yeah. You know, so anyway. uh, I, I see ha- maybe a little more pointed older Jeff Goldblum maybe here. I don't know. And then uh, on page 280, there's a there's a, just kind of like a framed um, picture of like a rabbit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's the moon with like the ring around it. Because just before that, he mentions talking about where is this? The moon, the moon. Hmm. M-O-O-N. Uh, but as the night came on and the moon with its ghostly fairy ring rose in the sky. And I, I like that because I've seen that before, you know, like when it's, when it's, there's something going on in the atmosphere where there's actually like a ring, like a foggy like a ring, halo. a halo around the moon. And, and, and that just, that brought it home for me in that photo, but that photo, <laughs> that so photo, this is all real. No one does something this is off all about real. it. They're real photos. I've got some real King King's Dominion in room two three seven to bring to the table tonight. Oh God! Well, I can't wait for that later on. <clears throat> do you guys? I mean, how much do you think the illustrations added to the book? I they're like cool, but I honestly don't think they're integral, and I honestly think I could have done without them. I think I need them in there. Again, I don't think they're again they're perfect. Especially the, the the closer you get to some of these human faces, when you really stare at like the one Mel is pointing about the uh, there's a, is that a woman or something like that? You you get you get a little too close. It's like uh, something in scary stories to tell in the dark by uh, Alvin Schwartz over here. Look that up if you haven't been scared lately. But I, it adds to the whole kind of charm about this book that it is very much written for the young. Yeah, in my opinion, you know? I think if you're reading the book and you're two hundred two hondo in. And you start to realize, you start to go, why, why is he explaining every single thing to me? Oh, it's for a younger audience. And then you hit those pictures. <laughs> to be fair, there are other King books where more. he does the same thing. <laughs> why is he explaining <laughs> all of this? I know, but in this book, it's a little, I then mean, they, I will say. they were say, too sporadic for me. Like, I feel like if you're going to do it, like, go big or go home. Yeah. Oh, you mean the the, the pictures, the yeah. photos? The, <laughs> the photos. The, <laughs> the lifelike photos. <laughs> Yeah, no, I agree. It, it, they're, they're, they don't show up enough. It, it, this isn't like the dark, like the gunslinger. Like those are so sporadic. I like it like that. They're so feathered out. Yeah, you but feel like you're getting like this huge it's a nice unexpected treat. reward. Yeah, yeah there's like yeah. seven in the whole first yeah. book. Whereas this, it was just too many. But um, too this many. is a little too many and a little or too few. Well, not well. This might get really awkward because um, we actually have the. Artist of this book here. Come on in. No, bring him in. No. Oh, hey. Just oh, kidding. Man. He's not here. He may no longer be with us. I've not double oh. checked on that. Yeah, we'll have to look into that. Got really grim. Brothers, Brothers grim. grim. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> Thanks for that lead in. All right. So I think it's about that time to move on to the old heroes and villains. I'm going to have to kill this fucking clown. Welcome to the Losers Club, asshole. <laughs> Well, let's start off with the old man of the tale who dies later on. His name, 
Good King, King Rollins. Yeah. We no, do I like, didn't have the song. Good King Wenceslas. <laughs> yeah, but Although, which, this brings up an interesting point. Do we ever get Rollins' last name? Like badass or something like that, you know? Because <laughs> we do get some last names. We get Ben and Naomi's. We do. I, uh, I the interesting thing here's interesting. When this goes back to my uh, comparison between the Sword and Stone and Arthurian legend, and then with this and the Dark Tower legend, where. Are we supposed to think that this is some fairy tale version of Roland Deschain? See, I thought it was just like because Roland is the in the line of Eld and he yeah. is royalty. I thought maybe it was like he maybe Roland got his name from this Roland, like past Roland's passed down the name stayed in the family kind of thing, a distant cousin. Um, because this this takes place in Delane, right? Yeah, it's all and Which it's all is, very loose. Like I said, it's all very loose right, with the rest right. of the Dark Tour. The Dark Tower the dark lore. Tour. The Dark Tour lore. Welcome to the Dark Tour. Um, <laughs> plus, like those two Rollins could not really be more different. That's yeah. also true. We discussed yeah. King Roland. He's just sort of a beer-bellied, meandering old man at the end of his life. He, he enjoys a good hunt. He can bring down a dragon, which is like his crowning <laughs> moment. Crowning <laughs> what is the name of the actor from uh, Prince of Thieves that plays? Oh, God. He's in, uh, he's in Hamlet as well. He's he's he plays his father. Oh God! He's a he's a, he, he's, a British he, actor. Bri- it's Brian. Uh, God, we'll, we'll figure it out, out later. We'll Google it but while I, we're talking. I have It'll that image, natural. which is exactly what you described. That just he's kind of like this, almost like this lovable, bumbling kind of oversized guy. But but you know, he's kind of I don't know. He's he's a little sweet and he's a little too. He's like harmless. Yeah, he's harmless. A, he's harmless. That's a good description. Uh, is he impotent? Or is he gay? He's gay. They hint that he's gay in the I beginning. Um, 100% gay. Yeah. But I, I wasn't able so. to really explore it. Um, but also, too, just going on the Roland thing, too. Yeah, yeah, good. The original poem that Robert Browning wrote. The child r- rolling. Child rolling to the Dark Tower came. Mm-hmm. I almost feel like this was a more of a fleshing out of that ah. Roland historical character to kind of segue into the Dark Tower Roland. Um, That's, yeah, Robert Browning did that, right? Yeah, because yeah. I'm sure I've never really read that poem or I haven't in a long time, but... Mm. You know, I'm sure there's nothing in common other than they're a king. Yeah, yeah. and it's a familiar name. Right. Again, it's like saying uh, somebody's name was Michael, yeah. you know, because as we all know, Michael's <laughs> a very common name. It is. Yeah. You're not going to get a deeper conversation about anything than you, than you will on this podcast. Yeah. So you, you should be grateful <laughs> for, for but, all uh, the time to, you spend with us. To bring it back to, to the king's sexuality, too. And I think yeah. the fact that this does read as a more of a child's book mm. um, and given the time that it's written, he kind of like coyly hints at some things yeah. without fleshing them out too much. And I almost feel like that was his way of kind of like, I don't know, making the children's curiosity get stimulated. Like, Oh, what does that mean? Cause he doesn't say it's bad or anything, you no. know? And he's just sort of like, it's just not his thing. He's like, he's got to take some medicine to have sex with his wife. That's yeah, all. And, <laughs> and that's the- what you do when you <laughs> yeah, like you men. <laughs> when you like men, that's what you should do. No, yeah, I'm, oh, kidding, I'm kidding. Oh, Jesus, oh, I'm kidding. Well, no, I'm just, I'm just speaking to like, <laughs> I agree with what you're saying. And I, but I also think it's like, <laughs> Not the best portrayal. Oh, um, no, 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 no. I mean, maybe he's asexual, although I doubt that was something. Well, that was my other question, yeah. But I, I, there's some parts about where he says, I think he's, a, like, afraid of women at a certain point in, in yeah, the story, Yeah, he only too. sleeps with her, like, four or five times a year. Yeah. Um, and they haven't been married for 25 years yet, which is impressive. <laughs> That's a joke towards all mar- old married couples out there. Oh, God. Which maybe I will be, maybe I won't. Who knows? <laughs> 
It's getting really dark here in the Losers Club podcast. Well, that's really uh, obviously. Oh, here's something else I have. I have a question about. Okay. Was there something? Did you find something biblical between what happens with Thomas and the king? I'm reminded of one of my favorite Bible passages, Genesis 9:22, of course, in which Ham sees his father naked, and a curse is later put upon him. Because again, in this, Thomas sees his father naked. And shortly after that, madness happens. He becomes an alcoholic. And I don't know. Do you think that that was a deliberate thing that King did there? Or is it something that I'm reading way too much into this? It's go possible. You think so? I, I, I was reading that thinking that. I don't know. The whole shame thing, too. I, I, don't think, know. It, I think it works. Because um, even, too, with the two brothers and the jealousy, I was thinking of the story of Cain and Abel, Definitely, obviously. Yeah. And like, but I think it's also hard to escape Bible stories because they're so ingrained in just any kind of narrative yeah. that you make. And the children's and stories, they're also very, yeah. yeah, they're also very much like at the base of any kind of anything. Like, you know what I mean? Like you could, you could pull Bible stories from pretty much any story to an extent. I would agree. Because it's, it's, you know, a lot of people just grow up with that and it's in the back of their minds. Well, if anybody out there knows if this is actually the case, please let us know. Steven, we know you're listening. Steven, if you want, let just go know. ahead and tell us. us. I know you're call. listening to every episode, Steven. so for God's sake, Steven. Oh, God. Yeah, <laughs> do it. Um, do it for us, please. We Okay, King Roland. Wonderful. Let's move on to the bad boy of the story. Ooh. One of our favorite Stephen King characters. It's Flag. He's back for the first time no, officially. No since first name. No first name. Or maybe Flag is his first name. <laughs> But yeah, he has maybe. one name and it's Flag. Just Flag. No, no mention of Randall. Here, let me let me start this off with this. This was like this is like his tagline. Okay, this is like honest. If he had a poster for this, if this was a movie and he had his own poster, this would be his tagline. Mischief, after all, was Flag's cake and pie. <laughs> Ooh, mmm, hungry. Cake and pie. Yeah, Dan, this, I know you were really eager to talk about Flag. I'm super eager. My Xbox name is Randall Flag, but spelled the way I spell Flieger. Oh, it's so, a silent P. Mm-hmm. Yes, I would be in there. Um, so hit me up, kids, if you want to <laughs> play some Halo. <laughs> play some Friday 13th yeah. with the and game. the real reason why Dan GTA. wanted to come on the podcast is um, revealed. So Flag, of course, as we know from you know The Stand, the Dark Tower series, he's sort of this immortal creature of malevolence and evil. And this book's interesting because it's sort of the... It's not as jokey a version of the flag that we've seen in other forms. He's a lot more serious. He's very impatient. And they even reference in this that he's at least 400 years old. Yeah. And one thing, too, they mentioned that he aged 10 years and 76 years. So if you do the math on that, it takes flag years. Flag years. It's 7.6 days for him to ah. age one day. So about he ages about... Uh, it takes him about a week to age a day. <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> seven point six five. Yeah. Seven one week. Yeah. No, that's. Yeah. He's also absolutely evil in this book too. There's no, like you said, there's no nothing charming about this character yeah. at all. There's nothing that would he's mislead a you. With yes. A v. Yes. The other people in the castle look at him with with fear he's as opposed to he's a leader. You evil know? magician. Yes. Yeah. He is literally described as a magician, <laughs> and he's based on the sympathy for the devil Rolling Stone song, where he's kind of this mischievous oh, yeah. guy that's just been at all the major points in history, and I wondered if. Because this is the first version we see if over time he's just gone crazier and crazier. And that's why his humor is so present in the more contemporary books. It's possible because, you know, every time Flag uh, comes back, he, he kind of forgets where he comes from, too. Sure. So I'm sure that also plays into it, um, especially get, down the line. We get the intriguing line on 138 of my book mm. that starts, Flag, who had perhaps never been a boy. Mm. I like that. Where did he come from? 
God, don't say that loud, Mel, because we're going to get a prequel book now of his childhood. Like, well, he was oh, a boy. boy. <laughs> he was all about it. Flag rising. It is <laughs> interesting, too. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> but it's still the Hannibal Rising cover <laughs> with like, the, the young boy with the thing. On it's interesting, too, just we mentioned the transition from boyhood to manhood and then calling out specifically that the villain has never made this transition. Was never innocent. Yeah, in and I like that he, he continuously has bad dreams throughout, and then at one point even says, um, like, he thinks he, he, he thinks he has a bad dream. He wakes up from it. And it, he thinks it might be from a past, like long forgotten. So he knows. I mean, he knows that he's been around forever. I don't. Maybe he doesn't even know where he comes from, which I think is the best. Yeah. I, I like this. I'll read this brief passage here um, about Flag. King writes, he wanted what evil men always want to have power and use that power to make mischief. Being a king did not interest him because the heads of kings all too often found their ways to spike to spikes on castle walls when things went wrong. He hooded his actions just as he hooded his face. And when the great trouble came, as it always did after a span of years. Flag always disappeared like shadows at dawn. Later, when the carnage was over and the fever had passed, when the rebuilding was complete and there was, again, something worth destroying, Flag would appear once more. That's literally his whole story in the the stand. And he kind of ties into the, uh, like, in the Lord of the Rings, Wormtongue. Oh, uh, which yeah. is like a fantasy creature that whispers in the ear of the king, and he holds the actual power without having to, you know, wear the crown. Evil advisors are the best. I love them. It's a good job. It's, I, it's just... I mean, it's scary, right? Because they don't yeah. want to be king, like you said, like King said. Like they, they just they're like the Joker. Flag is the flag is the Steve Bannon, Steve Bannon of the Stephen King universe is Flag. What was Steve Bannon doing right now? You think he's listening? He's probably at the gym, <laughs> listening, <laughs> listening to our podcast. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening again, Steve. Thanks for all those nice emails you keep sending us too. God bless you. Um, now, the big thing about Flag, obviously, in this book, is that. He's a bad guy. No, he, um, he's the one that plants the poisonous dragon sand in Peter's childhood box, framing Peter after he kills or is responsible for the death of King Roland earlier on in the book. And of course, Thomas might have witnessed that particular murder too, which did not help his psyche. No, nope. no, it did not. You also forgot to mention that Flag has a two-headed parrot. <laughs> Love it. Uh, yeah, click and clack. No, uh, the parrot is not named. <laughs> That'd be great. great. Enough click clack. <laughs> I have to make this dragon sand. Um, Silence click clack. Dan, can you do a quick imitation of Bronson Pinchot doing flag in the audiobook? Oh, yeah, yeah. So he really, I mean, he's an incredible voice actor. Yeah. And he really dragged out the S's. It almost has like a sinister lisp. Like he'd be like, get that fool out of my place. Oh, very Slytherin. But it makes sense in the context of this book because, once again, there's no, there's no two, two, what's the expression I'm looking for? Bottom line is he's a bad guy. He's going to, he's evil. There's no question about it. So for having, to have him sound that sinister makes total yeah, sense there. Yeah. And the only like, time they break that is toward the climax, which we'll get to. But as he's racing toward Peter, he was, Peter! Yeah. And I don't remember if the book elongated the spelling, but they definitely pushed these words. They definitely italicized his, okay. his, his stomping up the, uh, up the stairs. He looks like Snape in that one photo. He really, or just, <laughs> yeah, photo, it, Mac. The illustration. God. He looks HD so lifelike. We're willing it into existence. I also like this little description, because Eyes of the Dragon refers to, obviously, the, the, the slain dragon that, that King Roland kills. The, the eyes, quote unquote, that, that Thomas looks through to see his father killed. But there's also maybe one other thing here. Um, this is from the book, believe it or not. <laughs> the book, The Eyes of the Dragon. This is from the book. Now, Peter thought, as blood pounded in his temples, his heart raised hotly in his chest, I must try to slay another dragon, a much greater one with that same arrow. Maybe the eyes of the dragon is actually flag. 
Flag is like everything. Yeah. yeah. Everything is everything. Love Flag. Yeah. Happy to see him here. I mean, he's not complicated, right? No, like, especially this version. Did you guys find him scary? I did. In the context of this book, yes. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think when the. It's, uh, fu- it's a fun scary. Yeah, it's when the fun scary. Desperate housewife. Or midwife, I should say, <laughs> when her son has the shaking illness and she goes to him, yeah. just the way they describe his apartment or whatever, his loft, you know, there's his loft, his <laughs> draw, yeah, it's like his <laughs> timeshare. It's um, a great, I got a great deal in this place. Yeah. No, but, but there's like uh, symbols on the ground and when you blink, they move, you know, you've got the two headed bird. And just like the click and clack, the amount of apathy he feels toward this kid who's suffering, even when he gives him the medicine, he's like, get that fool out of here. Yeah. Spooky. I, uh, he saves the kid, though. He does save the kid. Well, because he, he gets what he wants. For a dark favor. And yeah, granted, Sasha gets killed because of it. But other than that, he's a great guy. I, yeah, I do like kid. how uh, Flag himself has things in his dungeon that are too dangerous for him. Mm-hmm. Like, he knows of forces beyond his ken. Like, yeah. that's creepy. There's actually some Lovecraft references in here, ah. too. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, can I mention one of those? Please. Um, so the, the book he's reading, it's believed to be the Necronomicon. Yes. Um, which at one point they referenced, I have the quote somewhere, um, well, but they referenced the writer from the H.P. Lovecraft mm-hmm. who oh. wrote the book. He's oh. like, oh, it was the book from blah, blah, blah. Uh, I'll find the name. Found in human skin. Oh, Abdul <laughs> Al-Zared, the fictional character created by H.P. Lovecraft called the Mad Arab who wow. created the Necronomicon. So when he's actually reading that book... Um, it's a definite nod to Lovecraft. Lovecraft, of course, was uh, a great writer and maybe one of our more famous racists. Yeah. Great writer, great racist. <laughs> great in the sense of large. Yes, his large. Racist, his racism was not, very big. Not, not lauded. No. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Um, any other words about Flack who will inevitably be brought up again within this section, I'm sure? Or should we move on to Peter? Peter? Is it Peter time? It's Peter time. It's Peter time. Let's peanut talk, butter jelly time. Let's talk about PBJ himself, Prince Peter. Oh, he's so boring. <laughs> uh, so, I thought oh, you were going to say Mel, so you want to lead us off? <laughs> he's so boring. I mean, he's just the perfect boy. He just is smart. He's patient. He's born to be king. He doesn't let much rattle him. And when he is rattled, it's appropriate. Like, oh, he cries over his dead dad. Yeah. Um, yeah, I saw a lot yeah. of myself in him. <laughs> a young Flieger. It's tough. It's a tough read on it for him because, like, at least with Thomas, because he's got problems and things going on, you can kind of relate or try to see it from his angle maybe, but Peter's just, like, too good through and through. Again, it's such a black and white book. I mean, yeah. Flag is absolutely evil. Peter's no, absolutely but, good, you know? But he tries so hard with Thomas to be like... This is what people are actually like. They're the yeah. shades of gray that are important to underline. Yeah, yeah. Peter doesn't get any of that because Peter f- exists to be like a paragon of excellence and a lesson. Like he makes no mistakes, really. Yeah. Something else I got from that, too, is a little, a little Dickens, a little tale of two cities, even though obviously they don't look alike. You got the kind of fledgling person who makes good in the very end. And you've got the perfect person who kind of needs that person's help. I don't know. I, lo- I love tale of two cities whenever I can bring it up. <laughs> I like to bring it up. But the one thing I do like about Peter, yeah, he's perfect. But you, you figure this character when you're reading, at least I do, is that he's going to save the day by doing what other princes and other novels do. He's going to find the secret sword. 
He's going to go on the rampage. The rampage. He's going to murder everybody. Yeah. <laughs> he's going to uh, kill everybody. Yeah. We're doing rampage. We're doing a rampage. Um, he's going to take that sword. He's going to battle it out. But the fact that this perfect guy, Mr. Strong King to be, or King in name only. Mr. Strong King. Mr. Strong King. Mr. Strong King. That's, that's his last name. Is it, Roland Strong Oh, that's his name. Of yeah. course. Sounds like Strong King was so. Mr. Strong King. But the fact that he, you, I love what the King does here. I like the fact that he, he survives not because of violence at all, but because of a dollhouse and a lot of napkins. And I, I like that narrative choice there. Again, the character is, you know, it's Peter. He's the prince and he's the good guy. So, but I, I, again, I like my favorite part about this book is the fact that kind of twists the fairy tale on its, uh, on its head. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Did I say that right? Mm-hmm. Sure. Turn it on its head. Turns How turns about turn on its head? head. Eh, twisting and turning. Same thing. It's not your grandpa's yeah. fairy tale. <laughs> it really isn't. Yeah. It it's, is though. This is very fairy tale ish. It's, it's your grandpa's fairy tale. <laughs> it's, in- <laughs> it's Grandpa King's fairy tale. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I really love the napkins and dollhouse aspect of the story. I mean, God, you've mentioned that to get three or four times. We're like. <laughs> I mean, he uses the word sissy all the time to describe the dollhouse. Like, yeah. I think he's he's really trying and like not fully succeeding, but I admire the effort to be like, you don't have to be masculine hunter man all the time. Yeah. Sometimes you need your napkin and your tiny loom. Yeah. And resourcefulness is what it's really about. Right. Yeah. No, I, I think th- is a good lesson. Peter is just a personification of justice. Like, I feel like we, we're only on Peter's side because we're like, oh, that's so unfair. Well, that's true. <laughs> it's true. It's again. There's no mystery about. It. He, he, this isn't like you want to talk about this a little bit too, Mel, with Shawshank. For a lot of the book, we don't know if Andy actually killed his wife or not. We're just kind of with him in the story. Mm-hmm. But this is we absolutely know Peter's innocent. We absolutely know he should be king, well, that's, and he should absolutely be out of that tower. You know, and that's kind of my problem with the book. Uh, is there's so much foreshadowing and so much where he's like. You know, but 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 Thomas isn't. You know, well, we'll let you decide at the end because Thomas. There's a lot you know, of the maybe Thomas him, is yeah. actually you know not as bad as we're saying it. And, and I'm like, he did I'm like, kill that well, dog. Well, uh, yeah, yeah. he leaves yeah. oh, nothing man. to the imagination. Really, like he kind of just ex- like over explains all the way. So and then takes forever to get there. Uh, that, and that, I think the the problem with the book is it's a little too long. And I'm going I'm going into my wrap up. Well, no, yeah. but you're right that there's. <laughs> There's multiple foreshadowings of the same instance. Like yeah. one detail gets like five <laughs> call forwards. Like, well, oh, I agree. Especially, especially, and there's that constant. We'll talk about Thomas in a second, but I want to say this about Peter: is that Peter was born out of actual lust that was aided by I've got written here aided by triumph and happiness earlier on. We, that's what we found dragon. out about him. Killed the dragon, ate the dragon heart, natural yeah. aphrodisiac. Exactly. And then we find out though. Do we want to move on to Thomas? Yeah. yeah, let's move on to Thomas. He's not a bad boy. Do we want to talk He's about Dragon He's a super boy. Yeah, let's talk about Dragon Eyes. Uh, no, um, Dragon Heart. Oh, the film Dragon Heart. Yeah, with Sean Connery. I'm the last oh. one. I'm starring David Thewlis. A knight oh, yeah, yeah. Valor. I do love David Thewlis in that movie. That was my first introduction, I think, to Thewlis. Real quick for Dragon Heart, as we hopefully the Dragon Heart theme is playing under this right now as we speak. Mike, um, how many days do you think Sean Connery was in the studio doing his? Maybe three hours. Maybe three hours doing I ZDR? I despise you for even implying that he <laughs> you think he was on pour set? his Wait, soul he into that his, film. He, he Do you think he was on set? Heart into that I movie. think he wore horns and wings to do some brand of method acting. And uh, Do you think 65-year-old Sean Connery was wearing like an all-green suit for like mocap? I think 65-year-old Sean Connery wrote the whole script. Whoa, this is getting... Listen. This is getting deep. I really love Dragonheart. I saw that in theaters... Me too. 24 years ago, right? 
And so we're Those cel- special effects still kind of hold up. Well, we're celebrating the 24-year anniversary of me having last seen it. Aren't there like four sequels? There are that? sequels. There are sequels. Have you seen the sequels? Yeah, I've never seen any of the sequels. I have not seen Can't any bring either. myself to like do that. Dragon Kidney? Like, what are the. Yeah. <laughs> Dragon Leg. Uh, Reign of Fire is one. I, I'm just kidding. I enjoyed Reign of Fire, hey, actually. I, Reign of. Uh, big, big Rain Head. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I actually. Yeah, I we call like you the Rain movie. Man. Uh, what is it? That's like Christian Bale and, um, and McConaughey, right? Yeah, Bale McConaughey. Uh, who is also Randall, Randall Flagg. Flag. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen. And we are back full circle in the Stephen King podcast, The Losers Club. So, Thomas was not born out of lust. He was born out of rape. I don't know if you remember this, because um, Flag drugged the king. And and uh, King Roland went, um, what can I say? He's uncomfortable talking no, about no, like, I feel really uncomfortable talking <laughs> about this every single time. He, he hurt her, yeah. but yeah, she yeah. was not. As she was not, in his eyes. She was not into it at all. I'll put it that way. And Sasha dies in childbirth, giving birth to Thomas. Well, because she's murdered by the midwife. I also pretty much. She sure was. And, and that's another part we'll talk about in the cemetery. That was I also think, that, like, was he trying to say anything with that? Because I feel like that's kind of unfair to say, like, you know, like the product of something like that. I think it's more about the, the fact that, that, a, that he was drugged, though, and whatever poisons he flags, used. Potion. Potion, oh, yeah. So maybe, the, of maybe the potion had something to do with yeah, I th- the Yeah, I think that's what the something. reference was. Yeah. I don't think it was saying, yeah. yeah, yeah. And also, the, the Mo was talking, we were discussing the idea of, like, destiny earlier. Mm. And it's like, yeah, if you're conceived after your dad eats a dragon heart, you're going to have this energy. And if you're conceived you're after the Randall Flag version of, like, Spanish Fly or whatever, yeah. you're going to be evil. <laughs> like, it's just they're predestined. And, like, that's why, so Thomas. Spanish Flag. Yeah, Spanish Flag. <laughs> Um, I consider Thomas a villain in this. Once he killed the dog, I just lost one hundred percent true. Because I've said this many times, it's harder for me to watch a dog die on screen than it is to watch a child die. On I think screen. that's true of many people. Dogs are always innocent. They're always innocent. Yeah. Whereas a, a child will eventually grow up to become an evil person. Yeah. See, I think he's. I don't know if he's the villain. I think he's total total victim of flag. But I think that he because he turns a blind eye to what he absolutely sees and knows is true. It's it's hard to like give him any leeway. The oh whole God, entire I, book. I think he's the most interesting and relatable character of the entire book. Yeah, love Thomas, and I, I think it's because King makes any sort of effort <laughs> towards making him believable. And making his motivations clear. Mm-hmm. And I wants to get drunk, you know? Well, sure. <laughs> but it's it's also just a great... I feel like if he, he tries to do all these uh, fable-y lines with Roland and Peter and mm. Flag, but Thomas is really where the good lessons come out, right? It's like, kids, of course you would feel shitty if your dad loved your brother more than you. Of course you would feel great if you got crowned king and got to say nah-nah to your brother up in prison. But that's shitty, don't do that. No, yeah. Then you'll end up like Thomas, and he gets he gets redeemed at the end of the book. I feel like. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and I think he, he actually has yeah. a fucking arc. Like he does. He, he does. He is definitely. I, I mean, he's definitely the most interesting character uh, in the, in the book, to say the least. And I think people alluded to earlier. King always says, while Thomas is sometimes cruel, often sad, almost always weak, he's not necessarily bad. It's a sad boy. Well, he says you should pity him, right? But yes. again, yeah. that that frustrates me because I want people to be angry with Thomas. I don't want to pity Thomas. Oh, I want to believe angry. that Thomas has free will, right? Like I want to believe that he could have changed things and he chose not to. So let me, let me ask you this argument. then. My question, maybe you were going to go the same route here at the mm-hmm. very end. If you were Peter, mm-hmm. do you forgive Thomas? 
Oh, fucking Peter. Him. No. I mean, well, I would. If, if, well, Peter, of course, Peter. Peter, Peter, would de- Peter would definitely forgive him, obviously. No, would throw but. Thomas in the tower. <laughs> and to the needle. You go where all to sad the boys go. <laughs> the tower. Oh, so sad. Oh. Fake, I, you're going to Yeah, he, he redeems himself, you know, with heroic actions. Yeah. But I think he also gives himself his own punishment by choosing to pursue flag he kind of banishes himself and he understands that the people in the kingdom don't like him like he caused yeah. a lot of hurting and suffering and taxes and i think he knows like this is taxes I arguably tax I, worst of all taxes. i like yeah. dennis's the worst. <laughs> i like dennis's relationship to him and how that develops at the end because it, it makes him just makes him more human I mean, you know when you have someone that also kind of sees the good like you you were a good master to me you just made some bad decisions with everything else kind yeah. of thing, you know? I mean, no one's denying that Thomas sucks. Yeah. Like, at least we get <laughs> some insight into his flaws. and Yeah. You made a good point with the arc thing too, Mel, because he does have a genuine yeah. arc in this. He really does have the most... He's not uh, as cut and dry arc. as the other characters are. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Right. It's weird. He's, like, the only realized character. Yeah. <laughs> like Maybe that's why he's so frustrated. Like, why is something, why is something wrong with yeah. me? Who and am you I? you think, because they spent, you spend a... Good, a decent amount of time with like Pena and Ben, but is it pa- they what's still the, what don't. The, what's, this, uh, what's the name? Anders, Anders, Pena, yeah. And they they don't they don't it's, even though we have a lot of scenes with them, we still don't really know. You don't really get a lot. I feel of, like King just really wants to. <laughs> he always is striving to explain Thomas because he's. I guess worried that we're going to misinterpret something. Yeah, <laughs> like, no. yeah. But it's like oh, I can misinterpret I mean, I guess, him, him killing a dog. Yeah, I guess There's that's no where the real trip on it. But he go, like I, that scene is is awful, and I also have a hard time reading it. But yeah. he really does go into like the the most. I had this in word processor. He says something like, "Part of Thomas wanted to love the dog and make it his peony, like like Peter had a, a horse that he loved forever, and part of him just wanted to like beat the crap out of it, and like." We've kind of all been at that crossroads, not the animal abuse crossroads. Oh my, I've killed plenty of dogs. Yeah, I, I hate <laughs> yeah. Um, I, That's where no, I that's started not, killing Never things. kill a dog. Yeah, of course. Um, no, God, no. Uh, but I also, I also thought it was interesting, too, the tie-in that whenever a character in Stephen King makes, like, a sailboat, it's not a good thing. Because, like, if you think about never it, make it oh, like, Georgie. Whenever, never make a sailboat. Georgie gets pulled into the sewer. Thomas ends up killing a dog. It's just not. It's a recurring <laughs> theme. <laughs> at least Georgie didn't kill a dog in it. He just got murdered. dogs down here, Georgie. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Um, Mac, you touched upon the other characters of this book, which which we can kind of just lump them all together. Um, Ben. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, seriously, though. Dennis, Ben, and Naomi kind of form this little trio of, of people trying to break Peter out. Now, they're kind of... Like you think you described them as the wildlings earlier in allusion oh, yeah. to Lord of the Rings. Well, Naomi, no, yeah, Game of Lord of the Rings. I mean, which again, <laughs> uh, Game of Thrones. Yeah, Lord of the Rings. Um, here's my problem with the book. I'm much more interested with what's going on in the kingdom as opposed to everything going on surrounding the kingdom. So for me, a good deal of I guess the latter half of the book, with all the Ben and Naomi stuff going on, and with some of the Dennis goings on, I don't know. See, Does it need to be there. I felt this could have been much shorter. I felt the other way. I, although I agree with you, it could have been a lot shorter. Yeah. I didn't mind those parts. I, I, I just wish they were fleshed out more. I actually, because mm. I don't know, that stuff kind of reminded me more, and again, I'm reading these out of order, uh, of like the Wind Through the Keyhole stories. You know, yeah. like, oh, no, yeah. like, the, absolutely, like, 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 oh, here's a fairy tale, and, you know, we're going to send Ben out to find, and then just, I don't know, I liked that journey. I just, 
you just they didn't go anywhere really, and it, you didn't I, develop the characters enough could, for us to really care. Couldn't you just combine the characters of Dennis and Ben? I don't know. Uh, I feel no, like he wants because to. <laughs> this goes along with the King thing. It has an unfortunate flip side of like Dennis was born to be a good servant. Yeah, like I, it's really fucked up. <laughs> yeah. And then Ben's like the best friend beyond best friends. That's in the fate. You know, he gets his father hits him because he's like saying that, you know, he'll never not believe that, you know, um, that he, that Thomas, God Christ, that Peter, <laughs> you're saying. Peter, you know, he's, he stands by Peter thick through, through thick, thick and thin. thin. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's, it's everybody's kind of like the picture book version of every of themselves. You know? But just again, just combine the characters. I think you could combine those characters. I don't think, yeah, yeah, I, but I, they, I but think then they wouldn't have an end. There were some the times later on. They could have just combined the characters. <laughs> like Ben has an Andrew Dennis has an end. That's it. Yeah. When I was thinking back, like there would be times where I'd kind of confuse them in my head. I, I absolutely I just didn't did. care enough to really, no, I would too. Yeah. Like even towards the end, I'd be like, "Wait, who's alone in the castle and who's with Naomi?" Yeah. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Ben and which there was, you know, we, we've we've read a lot of King here, but this is Venice. one of the strange instances where we did not know. I, I, I shouldn't speak for everybody. I was honestly getting. Um, I mean, I have to look at the notes here. Getting Dennis and Ben confused well, throughout the latter half of that book. I also think that the for a book with all these pictures in it, couldn't we get a picture of each of those characters? No, well, we to, do at the very end. Or a map. Oh, the very end when Where it's not I can't helpful point at all. Out who Dennis yeah. is and who Thomas is <laughs> yeah, and who exactly. anybody else is. Yeah. Uh, but I would have liked a map because some of the locations were hard to. Yeah. Like when they were traveling through the snowstorm and they're like, wait, you left at two o'clock yesterday. I'm like, wait, wait what's, <laughs> what are these distances we're covering? It just felt, the whole book felt like they were just literally on the outskirts of the kingdom, but they were really, literally like days and days away in some instances. Yeah. So, yeah, it was very confusing in those in those moments for me. But yeah, in the side characters, you know, I, I like, I'm sure as Naomi King and Ben Straub were reading it, they were probably like, ooh, it's me, it's me, you know, it's me, I'm Ben. And she's like, oh, I'm Naomi. Stephen King's like, now get married. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll get to the embarrassing moments between those two that I'm sure they were cringing about in a, in a special section I'll be announcing later on ooh. in this. Um, oh, I, I want to talk about Pena. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, we're definitely. done with uh, yeah, yeah. Naomi and Dennis. Pena, second most interesting character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because he is given some conflict. He is this person who's really interested in justice as an ideal that exists outside of himself and his emotions and other people's emotions. But he has to reconcile that with the instinct that Peter is this undeniably good person. Mm-hmm. And he has to atone for a horrible mistake he makes. And I don't know. I, I feel like he's interesting. He does have an unexpected arc. I thought that w- once the ascendance came down, we would never see that character again. So I was actually kind of surprised when he kept, kept popping yeah, back Yeah, I think up. he's the closest thing to a father figure in this book. Because, mm. um, you know, he's a flawed man, but he redeems himself. And I think in a lot of, you know, by helping Peter escape at the end, he's kind of showing this is what a man does. You know, you can make a mistake, but then you have to make up for it. Yeah. No, I like that. And it's Andrew's painter, right? Mm-hmm. I kept getting him mixed up with Andrew's home. The comedian. Oh, from Workaholics? From Workaholics, yeah. <laughs> very confusing. Very, very different people, by the way. It could be in the Stephen King universe, the same person. Yeah, so. It could be. Also, he, like, deigns to joke around with his butler, who is so clearly beneath him. I yeah. love that sequence, though. <laughs> when, when, he, when he comes back and there's the knock at the door again, and then he's like, oh, you sure it's not another dwarf child or whatever? <laughs> like, dwarf hey, child. You fucking imbecile. <laughs> you fucking asshole. And you, know, you know the butler has, like, no humor about it at all. It's, it's your stereotypical it, butler. Let's just say it's not um, Alfred and Bruce Wayne. Well, let's just well, say I think it's it not. I it is. I think he's like, oh, you. <laughs> Some people just want to watch the Wild Ben. 
Oh, the second second time we've referenced that. <laughs> Reference Simon, Michael Caine. The size of a tangerine. <laughs> she was only 16 years 16 old. 16 years old. Only... And all you had to do was blow the bloody doors off. <laughs> we all love the truth. It's not nasal enough the way it's you're not. doing it. It's very emotional indeed. Very emotional indeed. Well, and you don't do the broken voice. <laughs> I would, I'm not going to bear another Batman. I okay. could see both of those actors being in this. In you this think Michael Caine would see, do two I roles? I could see one man show. <laughs> Just, Michael Caine doing Peter's like this really lame like brown wig <laughs> up in the tower. I've got my napkins. Like, and Sasha sounded a little something like this. But I think Coogan, I think Coogan could be a really good flag. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. just the long hair that's making us say that. It is. But it's, it's, I can see Coogs. Coogs, my good friend. <laughs> the Coogster. Um, but yeah, Payne is interesting. I like him. Uh, side note, one of my favorite parts of the story is when Payne and Peter are communicating via letter. I feel like Stephen mm. King is really good at writing yeah. written correspondence between people. And that was like, oh, yeah. not and a lot was happening, but I was like, I fucking love these letters. And uh, this, I don't know where we would talk about this, but I really also like the locket that he finds and the story there mm-hmm. about knowing that this has happened before. And I, I just love, I love when he fleshes out the, the world a little bit more there. That reminded me of, uh, there's a great scene early on in it when Ben's introduced. Mm-hmm. And sometimes King does this and it gets a little, let's move the story along. But Ben is talking to a bartender in it when he's an adult, obviously, not young oh, Ben. right, right. And they kind of flesh out the bartender. But yes. it's an interesting way. It just fleshes out the world. I really love that passage. I'm looking forward to talking about it, which I think came out in 86, which I hope are only a couple years away. We're getting there. That's not true. It's really actually approaching fast. Oh, my God. We're only three months away, I think, from t- yeah. talking about it. And. That's going to be like a seven-part journey. Oh I don't God, know what we're going to do. Buckle in. We're uh, going to have to figure out the sleep, format of that. Basically. Anyway, oh, my God. But Eyes anyway, of the Dragon. Eyes of the Dragon. We're back on the Eyes of the Dragon. So, Any other characters we want to talk about? We, 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 we touched upon Sa- Sasha. She's oh. mentioned to in flashback mostly, of course. Um, her death is pretty awful. And we'll talk. I want to talk about that a little bit in the cemetery she's, later on. But. I, mean, I get that she's like also resourceful and cool, but she's also just the archetype of like the good, simple woman. <laughs> like she's like a peasant woman who and Naomi? she's just, no, Sasha. She's like the Guinevere, uh, you know, yeah. she marries she's into no, this. Guinevere is like smart and beautiful. Sasha's like this homely, like maternal, just dumb nurturer. Like she's, I don't know. She, she's, she's not necessarily dumb though, right? She is. She's like, she doesn't know any, like that the whole point, the whole reason he chooses her is because she's like not intimidating. And she, even the napkin lesson is like a very simple lesson that she doesn't know his implications. You well, know? of course not. Like yeah. she's just like, well, you have some manners. Put some napkins on your lap, jerk. Yeah. <laughs> I had to laugh because there's a scene where she, there's a scene, page 19, 19, anybody? Oh. She says, uh, oh, bother flag and bother all the nobles of Delane. And bother is used quite a bit by J.R.R. Tolkien. That's very That's true. my first little um, Hobbit reference. Uh, that is a stretch and a half. <laughs> but. Um, it's used by Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, bother. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I don't think that she's the st- strongest character in this. Well, she's not even a character. <laughs> she's just, she's just. hey, remember Sasha? This is what, this is what she did. She gave birth she's, to these kids. She's just. Good. That's why Flag can't stand her is because he knows that she'll actually stand up for what's right. And so he's like, Ugh, I gotta get rid of this bitch. Yeah, <laughs> no, she's the perfect person to give birth to Peter because they're both yeah. very one dimensional. They're just archetypes of, you know, the noble princess who cares about people. And that's why she very much a fairy tale idea to the birth of yeah. to the king. That's sort of, of sad Thomas. Yeah. Exactly. As it were. 
any other characters though in this? I mean, yeah, there's some other jerk uh, characters. The Chief Warder. Yeah, Basin. Uh, Basin. Oh yeah, who's the one? I don't have the name here. The one that um, is it? Basin who antagonizes Peter? Yeah, yeah. B e s o n. Is anyone's guess how you pronounce that? But uh, was it a flower? Basin. 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 Oh, Basin. You'd like my horse. <laughs> That's my imitation of a Frenchman, I guess. <laughs> Sorry, sure. French listeners. I do, we like, I everybody do like the sequence where Peter um, saves the horse. Mm-hmm. I, because I feel like that is the first instance where you're like, oh, yeah, this guy, this this guy, guy's in the up and this up. guy could be a really cool king. And then I like how he wins the respect of that of that. Horseman, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, he, was, he he recognizes like the kingly qualities yeah, that he has, yeah, yeah. even when he calls him the young king, right? Yeah, and I think kind of w- the way he treats the horse is sort of how he ultimately treats Thomas. Whereas people would have been like, "Hey, we need to get hey, rid of this guy," know. and he's sort of yes, like, yes. "No, you know what? Like, we can rehab him." We Wait, can, was we, was we King kind of him. trying to do a weird foreshadow there? Oh my god, the foreshadowing was character. like slapping you in the face. That's out, out of character. I'm telling you, Steve. every chapter ends with some bit of foreshadowing. Flag held his left eye because it was in pain. He didn't oh, quite man. know why yet, <laughs> but he would in 35 pages yeah. when an arrow Stick would fly around. through it, yeah, or, yeah. or a locket like would it, fly Justin, through it. That's more like his it. Thank eye you very felt much. Like an arrow had flown <laughs> through it with a locket involved somehow. What's that locket? Hello, this is Jason, co-host of the All 80s Movies Podcast, with a message from Factor Meals. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factor's no-prep, no-mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer, thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you will always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you will always have new flavors to explore. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. Head to factormeals.com slash 80smovies50 and use code 80smovies50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code 80smovies50 at factormeals.com slash 80smovies50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Do you hear that noise? Yeah, what is that? It sounds like a creaking gate opening. Wait, how the hell are we... How the hell did we end up in the cemetery? What's the bottom of the truth? Well, sometimes that is better. The person you put up there ain't the person that comes back. It may look like that person, but it ain't that person. Because whatever lives in the ground beyond that cemetery. Now, Mel, off mic, you were talking about how terrified you were by this book, and it King truly held you in his icy grip, apparently. It's true. I said I haven't slept in days. <laughs> no, but I have a couple cemetery entries. Do you want to start it off? This book isn't very scary, but there are passages that that gave me a slight shiver. Mm. Um, one is, uh, I think, one that uh, Dan actually already mentioned. And um, I'll let him read that one, actually, if he wants to. I'll skip to my next one, but it's the intro to Flag's Dungeon. Um, so Dan will do that one, but I'll skip away. <laughs> I'll skip to my next one, which... Is also a flag thing. It's when Flag is remembering a magician who tried to change. Oh shape. man, that was mine too. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Mac. I'm no, take it away. This, this is gruesome. And I, I think this is kind of just like this glimpse into a horrifying reality that King allows us. Like there's just these little nuggets that, if a kid really thought about it, they would be very scared. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
He had once known a great Anduin magician who believed he had mastered the trick of changing his shape, but after six months of meditation and nearly a week of incantations and a series of agonizing body postures, he uttered the last awesome spell and succeeded only in making his nose nearly nine feet long and driving himself insane. And there had been fingernails growing out of his nose, Flag remembered with a grim little smile. Great magician or not, the man had been a fool. That man's name was Pinocchio. Fingernails <laughs> growing out of his nose. A That's what got me. A nine foot long nose That's and you're insane. Me. I love the body horror in that yeah. a lot. Ugh. That's some good stuff. Body horror messes me up too. And then the, the fingernails in the nose, that was a good king good touch. touch. Good touch. Uh, good touch, king. I just feel like the first draft didn't have the fingernails. Yeah. The second we went. He's like, wait. <laughs> But you're right Wait for this <laughs> bit in Naomi. Check this out. You are right to mention Pinocchio, though, going back to the fairy tale thing. Yeah. And I think this is King's little twist on it is little, he's got fingernails coming out of it. One might say he's dragging <laughs> some nails down a chalkboard yeah. uh, during well, that sequence. Mac, did you have something? Uh, y- yeah, well, I, I actually, well, I'll bring that up in a little bit. Uh, there's something about the shape shifting. Uh, on page 248, Dennis's realization that he may be following a walking corpse. Yeah, sleepwalking is scary. When Thomas is sleepwalking and he's following him down around and he starts to, to think maybe maybe at some point he died and now I'm just following this like corpse mm. around. And that really kind of creeped me out. Or just the idea of following someone and at any moment they could wake up and I, I think that would eventually like, creep me out. I think we talked about in Cujo how just like the idea of sleepwalking is scary. Like, oh, if yeah. If I ever I encountered yeah. a sleepwalker... I would, like, scream bloody murder. I won't bring it up. I won't talk about it again, but my, my best friend is a big sleepwalker. You, I think you told yeah. this story on yeah. Cujo. Yeah. yeah. So go back and listen to Cujo if you want to hear that story. Good episode. Good episode. <laughs> Dan, did you have something? Um, yeah. So we, we kind of already hit on Flag's condominium. Um, <laughs> it's a just, beautiful condo. How yeah. does he afford it? I, I always love, like, the <laughs> side stories where it's like, you know, oh, what's this book? Oh, what? There's, like, this weird creature. Oh, and I love when... Those are dropped in and not over-explained. But one thing I did want to talk about was the dragon sand. Yeah, I've got that too. Um, and, you know, even yesterday there was a poisoning where a former Russian spy was killed with, like, polonium. And it's just, like, a highly radioactive substance, right? And once you get exposed to it, you are... Can we curse on here? Yes, You please. are screwed. Um, <laughs> Ooh. Well, tone it yeah, down a little bit, yeah. please. Jeez. You are so, fucked is up. Is it named after the Hamlet character? Yeah, it's, it's like a uh, just Rosen highly radioactive <laughs> substance. And... In this, you know, they don't really explain what dragon sand is. It's clearly got some kind of magical implications. Mm-hmm. But it also, when they are disposing of it, they're like, put it in like a barrel, put it in the middle of the lake. And Flag even says like, that's going to be someone's problem 100,000 years from now, but we're not going to deal with it. And that's very much like nuclear waste disposal, right? And in the Ugh. sewer sequence, they mention that even though it's been five years, there's no more rats in the sewer. Just because they drained the dragon sand out, Mm. through like there three grains of it just three yeah. grains which is enough to make it radioactive and the narrator implies um i think it's is ben the first one or dennis yeah whoever climbs through i think dennis climbs again through. i don't know it's, it's, ben, yeah. is it ben is it dennis, dennis? dennis. Either one. Knows. it it's, could be either one it's yeah. dennis it's, yeah. it's dennis climbs through and, it, and they imply that he may smell. die because they are like you know the rats had died and what happens to him and he's like um that's a story for another time and you're like oh he's got like radiation poisoning from going through that pipe. Yeah. Wait, that's so interesting with the stand in, under consideration too and Flag's involvement with nuclear power. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's creepy. Because when, when was Chernobyl? I'm trying to think. Was oh, that God. in the 80s? Oh, yeah. yeah it was definitely But it 80s. might have been... I don't want to go... On, I can't... Uh, I don't want to mix up my dates, but I know nuclear power has always been a concern and Stephen King's a little bit more of a bleeding heart, I feel like, for environmentalism. Oh, and, absolutely. So I think that, you know... 
there's a magical quality to Dragon Sand, but there's also just the real world consequences. I like how over the top the results are too. Where you, you literally catch on fire. It's yeah. like, like you feel like your lungs, no, you, your hair catches on yeah. fire. I, like, it, I, actually, it, I actually like that a lot. The Chernobyl disaster is 86. Oh, that oh, makes okay. sense. Um, dark. Well, no, 84 is when the book came out, yeah. right? But uh, and one, one other thing, too, is that they, they test the dragon glass on obsidian, which is volcanic rock. And in right. Game of Thrones, it's called dragon glass. Again, so, this was written before um, the first book, correct? Correct. I just want to make that abundantly clear. It's before the first Game of Thrones novel came out. By what, two years? No, no I think the first one came out in 96. 96? No, okay, I got my, I got my uh, decade mixed up. Okay, yeah, you're right. Um, Mother, brother, Grimm. I've got... George R.R. R. Martin. Grimm. <laughs> I've got... I like this little passage here. After Flag has that foreshadowing nightmare about his eye being in pain. Um, On the Nall, not far distant, wolves howled in unison with Flag's cry. The soldier sleeping nearest Flag on the left died instantly of a heart attack, dreaming that a, a great lion had come to gobble him up. The soldier sleeping on Flag's right woke up in the morning to discover he was blind. I just love that description of how the powerful, the powerful nature of a flag and what will happen if you sleep next to him. Apparently, it's a it's a bad thing. It's a bad thing. Anybody have anything else? I've got one more thing. You know, I I had that same thing written down somewhere else, but it was for a different reason. So I'll have to come back once again with the over the top nature of this book. I actually really like Flag stomping up the stairs. Yeah. It was very much like. Creepy. Three Little Pigs, you yep. know? Mm-hmm. I thought it was very... You talked about earlier with Bronson Pinchot reading it quite effectively. Oh, yeah. right? It's like, Peter, I'm going to take your head off. I can picture it. It, it reminded me a lot of Jack Torrance screaming, Danny! Yeah. Danny! Well, that's, a, that's a definite King's Dominion thing. Oh, yeah. he calls him whelp. Just yes, like which does. is what, yeah. I love it. Book, He's book, yelling, book like, jack. there's a couple lines in there that read, like, very soon now. You know, it's like, very, it's like, like you're the, getting hotter. Like the like, no, I'm thinking, like the, like, the baby, like, the babysitter, <laughs> like, the baby, like, every once in a while, there's, like, a phone every other, like, every 20 steps, he picks it up. He's like, I'm done. See you in a minute. <laughs> you know, 30 <laughs> seconds to go. 10 more seconds. Very soon now. Very Alice in Wonderland, the whole like I'm gonna chop your head off. Oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah. Well, yeah, but that, as 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 he villainous and evil, an exactly as as obviously evil as Flag is throughout the book, then there's absolutely no question how evil he is and how unrelenting he is by the end of it. Yeah, when he used uh, to be the executioner. That's remember? right. That's right. Mm-hmm. With with the hood on. Um, one other thing, I think Sasha's death is um, awful. It's Anna Crookbrow. Who, of course, um, made that deal with Flag in his condominium earlier on in the, the desperate house in the book. of Delane. Beautiful brick kitchen, by the way. That, that flags, <laughs> flags condo. Uh, it's written so she went to Sasha and spoke encouragingly. And at a critical moment during her delivery, a little knife glittered in her hand. No one saw the the one small cut she made. Yeah, 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 That's it. This is not a horror book by any means, but there's obviously some scary parts throughout. Anybody else have anything else for the old cemetery? That's it. I think we can walk out of this cemetery, you know what I mean? Well, let me close the gates behind us and let me uh, borrow somebody's laptop because I got to check the word processor of the gods. And we're going to make a new rule. Whenever I'm in here, you hear me typing. Whether you don't hear me typing, whether the fuck you hear me doing in here, when I'm in here, that means that I am working. That means don't come in. How do you think you can handle that? Yeah. Fine. Why don't you start right now and get the fuck out of here? Who wants to kick this off? Who has some passages of their favorite writing from this particular novel? 
Anybody have anything off the top of your head, Mel? All of mine are about Thomas. And of I course. already mentioned the dog scene, so I won't read that one out of respect for you, Justin. But, <laughs> no, please. Um, I, I love the the scene where he starts spying on his dad. Mm. Um, again, I just think it's so funny that King is so uh, on the nose in a painful way when he tries to deliver his fairy tale lessons, but it's Thomas and the intricacies of Thomas's mind that deliver the most relevant lessons. Um, so when he starts spying through the eyes of the dragon, because flag has showed him how to do so. Um, let's see here. Going away later with a pounding headache, as he almost always did, he would think your headaches because you were seeing the way dragons must see the world as if everything was dried out and ready to burn. And perhaps Flagg's instinct for mischief in this matter was not so bad at all, because by spying on his father, Thomas learned to feel a new thing for Roland. Before he knew about the secret passage, he had felt love for him, and often a sorrow that he could not please him better, and sometimes fear. Now he learned to feel contempt as well. And it, it just goes into this long passage about how utterly mundane people are when mm. they're alone, and how gross they are, because they just pick their nose and fart and... <laughs> sit in their study and do nothing. It's true. I do and all of that. That's just, I mean, the first time you realize that your dad, like, just sits around doing nothing and being a gross human, because we're all humans, is, like, a very humbling and also, I don't know, it's it's a, a wake moment up. when your, your hero has been knocked off the pedestal, yeah. I guess. And it's I, that's a, such an interesting passage to me. I love that. I love the whole, I love every time Thomas looks through the eyes. I mean, obviously, everything that happens while he's looking through the eyes play a huge part in the rest of the book too uh mac uh i just like the line here on page 167 of the signet edition just thomas discovered two things guilt and secrets like murdered bones never rest easy but the knowledge of all three can be lived with and uh you know that just spoke to me i don't know i I like that line real quick but i didn't what do you think like Again, I, I like this passage because it speaks to reality, both mm-hmm. of those actually, because it's very much like not the telltale heart, like you can actually live with this guilt saddling mm-hmm. or whatever. Right. What do you guys fucking think Peter would do in that room if you, you spied on him? Like he'd probably just sit there Peter's, radiating light. I literally hear the Peter and the wolf theme. He's just sitting there. Maybe he'd be messing with the napkins. Like what is the message of this book? Like he seems so... Concerned with delivering this this message of like we're all human, we all pick our noses, but then it's like fucking Peter. Peter is not human. Thirty pull ups while he's yeah, he's, on just, it. he's just uh, working he's out. He's set. He's ready to go. I think Peter's in that room strangling dogs. Oh God! And then throwing them he, out. I think <laughs> <laughs> throwing them out the window. <laughs> Telling his father Thomas did it. That was one of the the, the deals that was made that that uh, Peter gets dogs in his room for being a good for being a good prisoner. <laughs> And murders all of them. I have something here. I think some one of you might have read a little bit of this passage, but I like this description here. A flag being very old and very wise as well as very wicked knew that even the deepest well has a bottom. And just because a thing is out of sight doesn't mean it's gone. It is there resting at the bottom. And he knew that the caskets, those evil, frightening ideas are buried and may rot. And the nattiness inside may leak out after a while and poison the water. And when the well of the mind is badly poisoned, we call the result insanity. Yeah, yeah. That's about right. That checks out. Based on personal experience. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yep. Checks out. Yes. Um, Badly poisoned mind. That sounds right. Yep. I had a couple that stood out. Um, One, I just thought this was fun to read, Um, but it was when Peter's climbing down the tower and uh, they say, his rope, his legs, his luck, 
either all would hold or all would break. Quite possibly at the same time. <laughs> um, quite possibly at the same time. But I think that's especially <laughs> yeah. like that's Stephen King sometimes you can tell when he's having fun oh. and it's like a very simple thing. Um, he's it just rolls his, off the tongue yeah. and it's enjoyable. Um, one that I really liked though was when Sasha was explaining the nature of uh, man to Peter about the God versus the dog. Hmm. And she says, his mother pointed from God to dog. These are the two natures of man, she said. Never forget them. Our preachers say that our natures are plenty of God and partly old man's split foot. But there are a few devils outside of made-up stories, Pete. Most bad people are more like dogs than devils. Dogs are friendly and stupid, and that's the way most men are, men and women are when they, drunk, when they are drunk. When dogs are excited and confused, they may bite. And when men are excited or confused, they may fight. Hmm. Yeah. Sasha's not, Sasha's good for something. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Mel's like, ah, maybe. <laughs> Pretty nice, but. She just noticed they were spelled the same way. Like, she said, you, if you reverse the like, letters, oh my God. <laughs> I'm making a yeah. point. No, I, I do like that, actually. I, I, like I thought that was a good yeah, message and something to keep in mind, how, you know, the two natures of yeah. And what's things. strange is that despite that description, Thomas is the one that strangles and murders a dog. Right. He doesn't strangle and his brother the dog. Is like, I'm <laughs> sorry. He, like, he like kicks it to death. I apologize. He kicks it. No, he throws <laughs> rocks at it. Yeah, he throws I was doing him a favor. Pees on oh, it. Oh, even worse. It gets even worse and worse. There, urinates on it. Can I say there's one line, and I don't have the exact quote, but man, it was so clumsy. Oh, okay. And it's, it's such a mixed simile where they describe Peter. They're like, Peter's like a boy who left his lunch in the lion's den and had to go back in to retrieve it. But he wasn't even that hungry anymore. Like, what, what? Why are you going back there? But it's like, what are you talking about? Like, oh, God. I really like the writing when, when Thomas fires the arrow. A flag at the end. It says, Thomas fires the arrow at flag and is redemptive. Oh, this is what I actually wrote, which is actually very nice. I wrote, Thomas fires the arrow at flag in his redemptive moment. <laughs> and then it says, the arrow flew from the bow. As it crossed the room, it passed directly through the center of Levin Valera's locket, which still dangled from the stunned Peter's outstretched fist. The gold chain parted with a tiny chink sound. Now the arrow, Roland, bearing the heart-shaped locket of Valera on its tip, flew across Roland's sitting room and plunged into that eye. Ah. Good job. You paint the picture very well there in a couple sentences. I like it's the little things sometimes I like about this. Stuff. I do well, like how in that climactic scene, no one mention, no one notices Thomas in like the only chair in the whole study he's until back he's to it. firing an arrow. <laughs> what a heroic moment too! I can just see that on the big screen, like him jumping out of his chair. Not, not if I have anything to say about it. And I was like, whoa, holy shit! Oh Jesus, we're dead. I also, I'll take this moment to bring up this. Uh, another, uh, I have it written here, Stephen King on that long bottom leaf. That's right. It's another Hobbit reference. Uh, <laughs> Roland's premonition of death by fire, though, in the dream, uh, it's from Niner the Dragon. The arrow's name is Fohammer, which is also Glamdring. Uh, the name of, well, Glamdring means Fohammer, and that's an elvish sword that, uh, the old uh, Gandalf, yeah, Gandalf, Gandalf the Grey that has, That's yeah. Right. So I thought that that was interesting. He obviously made a lot of allusions to this being a cross between what was it, uh, the the Hobbit and Lord of the Rings, yeah. Lord of the Rings, and something else. Yeah, something and else. We would huge. obviously there'd be more of that in the Dark Tower series to come oh, and whatnot. Absolutely, but. absolutely. Anybody else have anything else they'd like to point out from the old for the old word processor segment? Yeah, I don't think so. I like where we get to see inside Frisky's mind for a second. Aww. Oh, that you, reminded me. Rem- rem- remember the moment. Just, just like when King <laughs> lets us be a dog. That, yeah, that reminded me of some of the cooge moments when we're like in his. It reminded me some of the around. old uh, the stand as well with um, the dog in the stand. You, you, you oh, get the yeah. old chapter with uh, what's the name of the dog in the stand? 
He wants to say Comet, but that's obviously from Full House. Oh, God. Moon? (laughs) I can't remember. Um, There there was one where it was frisky that I did like where... He picks up the scent of the older person, but then he gets the young person's scent, and he's like, "It smells uh, more like." Risky is a girl. Or sorry, she, yeah. <laughs> now again, though, in the nineteen eighty four woman character, the nineteen eighty four. But remember, maybe Dan was listening to the nineteen eighty four version because yeah. again, the the genders kept going back and forth. So we don't know. We don't know. Yeah, but just like she said, like he had more of like a vital smell, or just yeah. There was well, it was the more exciting. Of the the scent is like this electric blue thing that she follows. It's kind of cool. Oh. Maybe Electric Blue influenced um, R.E.M.'s track two off of the Around the Sun yeah, album. Sure oh, maybe Electric it did. Blue. <laughs> well, <laughs> what else can I say? I think it's time to cue up some Van Halen because it's time to dive her down into some pound cake. After all you've been taught, everyone in Bad Mama, everything in the sin. Come to your closet and pray. Ask to be forgiven. He's a nice boy, Mom. You like him. You really like him, Mama. Mel, I, I see you've got some things tagged here. <laughs> I'm so excited. And you're, you've been talking about this before we even recorded. So oh, go ahead. And if you've got some of the uh, some, some of the, sexy time with Stephen King or disgusting time with Stephen King, go ahead. My fa- one of my favorite trips to Poundtown in recent memory from King, <laughs> page three. Page three of this book. I feel like we might have the same thing here. Um, it is Roland. Uh, going to Sasha for the first time to try and have sex with her. Oh, yeah. Because he doesn't, he doesn't really know what he's doing, but thank God Sasha is uh, dumber than he is when it comes to sex. Oh, God. Doesn't even know what a penis is. I forgot okay, all about here this. Here we go. Oh, my God. Oh, it's that's so good. right. <laughs> and I, I feel like King thinks this is a very sweet moment, and, like, maybe in, if I was less of a cynical person, I could, <laughs> I could grant that to him. You and uh, me both. She had never seen a man with his drawers off before her wedding night. When, on that occasion, she observed his flaccid penis, she asked with great interest, "'What's that, husband?' If she had said anything else, or if she had said what she said in a slightly different tone of voice, the events of that night and this entire history might have taken another course. In spite of the special drink Flag had given him an hour before, at the end of the wedding feast, Roland might simply have slunk away. But he saw her then exactly as she was, a very young girl who knew even less about the baby-making act than he did, and observed her mouth was kind and began to love her as everyone in Delane would grow to love her. It is King's iron, he said. It doesn't look like iron, said Sasha (laughs) doubtfully. It is before the forge, he said. Ah, said she, and where is the forge? If you will trust me, said he, getting into bed with her, I will show you, for you have brought it from the Western Barony with you, but did not know it. It's your badge. You know, I've tried this line every single time (laughs) I try it out. I just get this look at, like, the Western Barony. Um, Anyway... (laughs) Oh, uh, I thought there. Yeah, was obviously, I had the same thing written down, Mel. It's some some of the best and some of the worst of King, <laughs> right there. Right, like, I love it. Like, if, depending on what mood I'm in, I'm either like <laughs> how sweet, or I'm like shut it down. <laughs> I, I was I was shut it down the whole way. I ah man, it's it's a pretty it's it's some tough tough you know, writing there. I didn't three. write that down. I, it gets I, it out of the way. I, I was reading that and I thought. God, we're on page three. Like I was like, I already started to take notes here. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's. I mean, he kind of had to write this with one arm behind his back. You know, he's the horror master, and he's writing a kid's fairy tale. Exactly. So there's some he's stuff in here that's like cheeky and naughty, but then at the same time, you're like, oh, he used his iron Kingswood to give his wife his seed, and you're like, wait, is that really something? kids are reading about like he's like reading it to Naomi and Naomi's like I don't know about this yeah. part dad but there's a lot of like pee pee poo poo jokes oh and yeah. there's one those. where <laughs> I find this um essentially when they're defeating the dragon you know the fire goes for minutes 
and the men have to come extinguish it, and they use, like, water and beer and piss. <laughs> and now that I think of it, the piss was mostly beer because Roland um, loved to bring... If you drink too much beer... It's just like you, you see a little piss. kid being like, oh, it's funny, it's like pee-pee. Um, love then, pee-pee. I do love a good pee-pee joke, though. Who doesn't? Who doesn't? Um, <laughs> Me? Do you love a good pee-pee I'm joke? I'm just sitting here cracking up. No. The pee-pee tape. A pee-pee joke. Like, like the pee-pee. Like, drink too much pee-pee. pee-pee. <laughs> pee-pee tape. <laughs> the urine. Well, I didn't... I, so I didn't have a lot because yeah. I, I was... Because I think when I was reading it, I was kind of giving it that pass and I wasn't really trying to focus in on that stuff and I was just brushing over it. But, um, yeah, when he eats the booger... There you go. Yeah, I've got I that I couldn't too. do it. I That just... Ugh. I, I, he admires it beforehand and, like and a joke. Yeah, he's, he's like, picked out a like, winner. Some readers, I'm sorry to say, <laughs> put them in his mouth. Right oh. in there. <laughs> I also love a good booger joke. It's like Caddyshack. Uh, <laughs> he's going to eat it, I'll bet you. Um, do it. There's oh, also man. a good vomit joke. Or not really good. Um, but they talk about another king bringing his jester over and... The king oh, vomits yeah. into a bowl, and he's like, come, Jester, feast on this fine soup. Oh. And you're just like, oh, that's another thing where a kid would be like, oh, he made him eat his puke, bro. <laughs> bro. They're like uh, sending flag up there like, you're the magician. You're the court, you're the court jester, right? Eat it. Like, no, no, no. I'm just, I'm just the mad. I won't. Flag's I like won't. things I do. <laughs> yeah. I, I remain in the see, shadows, whatever it takes. I can just see flags sitting there snarling, just like. Eating just like wow, it's eating it. So living. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, because this is somewhat of a, a children's novel, well, a young adult novel. There's not a whole lot of sex outside of that third page. So, but that third page is like, but it's like you, you. It's, 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 it's like he I'll couldn't this, stop himself. <laughs> it does not set the tone. I'll put it that way for the rest of the book. It does not set the tone. Um, so, yeah, not a lot of pound cake this week. I wasn't I have, that hungry anyway. I have so, one instance of really. Oh. Just hated this. It's not. It's not even like pound cake is in vulgar. It's uncategorizable. It's just a dumb. It's just a dumb kingism. This is, a, this is an anti-word processor of the god moment. Yeah. Well, I always thought of pound cake as just like moments that are bad. Oh well, hey, <laughs> I usually have like like it's like shit jokes or sex bad sex writing. But what do you have here, Mal? Uh, Yosef, older, grayer, but still lively enough at seventy-two, saw that all the king's horses were stabled. Presumably, there was someone else to take care of all the king's men. Oh boy, that goes back to like the the bad dad <laughs> joke from earlier on. And Naomi's like, "Why is that in there?" Good job, dad. Fairy tale. But that's really forced in there. It's like you have to lighten oh, the boy. mood. This is a light book. Really, <laughs> this is like Humpty Dumpty reference. This is like the yeah, the classic Humpty Dumpty uh, poll there. Yeah, this is like Pascal showing up and making jokes with a truck driver in the Pet Cemetery film or something like that. Well, anyway, that's enough for pound cake, right? There's not. There's nothing else. There's not. There's not a lot. That was a quick helping. A quick helping. But now it's time to move on to something. I think we'll have a lot to talk about, which is a little section we call King's Dominion. There's another world out there. There's a lot. (laughs) There's a lot at King's Dominion. Who wants to kick this one off? Mac. Love that King's Dominion. Okay. uh, We've got on page 15. So this is something I want to put out there, but it's it's kind of a bit of a stretch. Um, So he says, some four years after the birth of Peter on New Year's Day, a great blizzard visited Delane. It was the great. It was the greatest save one in living memory. The other, I'll tell you later. So early on in the book, I thought that they were talking about the blast that hits them in the wind through the keyhole. Oh, yeah, like I, like, I, like 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 because there are a couple of times where he abandons stories or he 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 says a couple of things like oh this this that but I'll tell you about that later and he never talks about it and right. so I thought maybe this is something he like went back to 
way later, but then obviously we know that's not the truth. No. Let's let's good call. let's do Dark Tower stuff first. I mean, there's yeah, a lot, let's get right? that. Like, yeah. yeah, sure. Let's get start. So obviously, flag. Yeah. Right. Oh, totally. We talked about the name Roland um, earlier on. How about there's a mention of the ability to go dim? Mm-hmm. Yes. This, uh, which which we, we'll, we'll try to avoid major spoilers for Dark Tower books two through seven, but we'll just say that that becomes a, a plot point. And also the name Walter, Walter O'Dim. O'Dim. Yeah. Yes, yeah. absolutely. absolutely. Aren't Dennis and Thomas even mentioned in a later... They are. Yeah. But it's, it's one of those instances that Mac was talking about where we'll tell that story another time. So, but the yeah, characters yeah. cross paths with certain with certain characters. They're on their mission hunting mm-hmm. flag, and I think we're going to hear more from them down the road. Yeah. yeah. Also, is yeah. it coincidence that Delane sounds like Deshane? No way. Mm, it's got to be. No. It's got to be do it deliberate. It's got to be um, deliberate. There's a lot of little things like that. So I'm saying it's like a, it's yeah. like this children's rendering of a of a, of a larger tale. On, anyway. on page sixty, uh, Flag looked into his crystal, which we can assume is probably some shape of wizard's class. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, like, Merlin's rainbow. At one point, like he can't do it for too long, or he'll it'll break. Or right, it'll, right. Yeah, yeah. And with the pink grapefruit. Not to get too ahead yeah. of it, but Rhea the Coos, who's a witch, sets a timer when she looks into it because even she knows oh, you can shit. get pulled and in. Dan, I'm glad you mentioned that because there's another section that says old wives cringed in their beds and slept poorly and told their husbands that Rhiannon, the dark witch of the Coos, was riding her hateful broom this night and wicked work was afoot. And so that, as early as Eyes yeah. of the Dragon. A certain witch of the coups was mentioned again. Yeah. No major spoilers, but I'm just saying there's a character that pops up in the Dark Tower. That shit later. sounds old though. Like I feel like that's predating King. The coups though, that's specific. No, maybe a Rian, and I don't know. Yeah, it yeah. sounds like that's Rhea. a very Arthurian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's also, uh, I loved it. I thought it was cool that Roland was such a big fan of hunting. Um, you know, and just loved the sound of the horn when he would go out. Ah, yes, the horn. Um, not to get too into that. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> and then just to bring it down to, I like some of the just these little mentions. So they mention Ironwood as a material. Mm. And if you recall, when Roland fights his teacher, Court, Court's weapon of choice is an Ironwood staff. Yep. So mm-hmm. just having some of these materials mm-hmm. exist right. within the universe, I thought was kind of yeah. cool. Although they do say uh, gunpowder is very scarce and valued highly in Delane. Hmm. That's interesting. Uh, my n- next one is interesting. It's interesting. Page 71, they talk about the green sand from the desert of Grand uh, dragon sand, um, mentioning uh, so the description of how it works is suddenly his, uh, they're talking about this, uh, this happening to a man. Suddenly his lungs would grow hot, red hot. His skin would begin to smoke and his body would shrivel like the body of a mummy. So I remember in, and I might be recalling this wrong, but in drawing of the three or the wastelands, they come across, I think it's when they're getting on Blaine uh, they come across a mummified conductor and a mummified corpses. And I wonder if this is the same poison that was used to mm. in that war scenario. That's, that's, I, I just thought that was just a body had been left alone for so long. He just became, you know, became kind of like a, a mummy looking thing, but that, who knows? Well, they, they do mention it's the wastelands, right? There's nuclear, yeah. something happened. There. Yeah. So it, something it could has be some sort there. of radiation. So I think it was like a There's bomb. There's another town they mentioned that starts with a G that's also in the dark tower. And I can't remember the name of it now. Um, Mel, you want to go next? Well, I thought there were so many parallels to Shawshank in oh. Peter and his patience and his steady and slow method of escape. Mm-hmm. Um, the napkins, it's parallel, but just cutting things the rock out with a rock hammer. Yeah. Um, and also crawling in through the sewer pipe. Yeah. Good old Dennis and Ben crawling through. A football yard's worth of shit, and I don't know what else. Or <laughs> and I don't says. know what, yeah. and don't care to. 
Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the whole just the whole prison thing alone. Absolutely. Yeah. The idea of the that. slow escape, the yeah. meticulous waiting forever. Yeah, and asking people for tools that they're like, "Why oh. do you want these? I don't know. It just seems harmless enough." You know, the rock hammer or the napkin. Uh, yes, yeah. yes, and also the. Uh, I mean, just Peter in general is like, you know, he had a walk and a talk. And <laughs> Peter was a good. Boy. My name's yeah. Andy Dufresne. In a medi- in a medieval <laughs> time, Andy, he would have been a king. No shots. Yeah. No shots. That's pretty good, Mel. <laughs> That's a good morgue. Good morgue. Good morgue. Good Morgan. I've got some that might make people upset, but uh, I'll, yeah, I'm gonna say it anyway. Um, so listen to these numbers. I'm a math. Oh, I'm Jesus a math freak. Christ. Oh boy. This is from the book. <laughs> Stop saying that. On the seventeenth day of Thomas's reign, seventeen, Brandon's son Dennis brought the first of twenty-one napkins to the needle. What's the median of seventeen and twenty-one? Get out nineteen. That's right, nineteen. Get out did win best original <laughs> screenplay mail. That's correct. <laughs> um, I've got a really good one though. I, I, I'm actually kind of happy with this one. Okay, all right. So Dennis, he supervises the payment of one gilder to make sure that Peter keeps receiving his napkins, right? Dennis Gilder is the name of the main character and one of the main characters in Christine. I was going to bring up the Dennis Christine connection. That's pretty good. Okay. Dennis is like the supporter of Arnie. He's kind of like Arnie's butler. (laughs) A fun butler. A fun fun butler. butler. So, yeah, I thought that was interesting. I also thought that uh, Mm. a a few other things that were just kind of like parallel. Did that bring you back from my median of 21 and 17? Yeah, I really actually did. You've redeemed yourself. You're like, (laughs) (laughs) a couple other things that were like parallels, like Ben and Naomi have shared dreams. Kind of like in the stand. stand. Yeah, I like that. Um, there's even that. There's even that line at the end of page three seventy six where he says, "And then, and there were times when they knew they had stood where their God had meant them to stand." Wow. Yes. Um, yes. Yes. And Randall Flag thought oh, this all and Flag also much, very much like the end of the stand. He disappears yeah. again at the end of this book. Yep. Yeah. I let, uh, one on page three fifteen. Flag is referred to as some horrible it with it capitalized. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes. And it was just right around the corner. Um, anybody else have any real ones? I, I got well, a couple again, here. The, that... the flag and uh, Jack Torrance thing, I think, is yeah. is like kind of weird. Yeah, and oh, very real. Yeah, that and yeah, totally. Yeah. Danny, <laughs> um, Danny, and the whelp thing, right? That's what he yeah, says. He yeah, says he calls him a whelp. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one, it's sort of outside the universe, but they do reference that Peter has a lightning bolt scar on his face. That I was going to mm, say, yeah. mm, that's interesting because he's also just such a huge J.K. Rowling fan too. Yeah. Now, so it's it's interesting that uh, that we think of that now. But True. you know, he was he was there before. All right, Mac, drop before. some room two thirty seven. These are your absolute oh, stretches. I've only got right? a couple. Okay, I only got a couple, but. Um, in a dream, <laughs> oh God. page 224, oh. in a dream Thomas has, he speaks with his father, and his father tells him... Oh, he can't even finish this it. This is not even funny. Oh, God. Dennis will know where the sleepwalker goes. Maybe he's a sleepwalker from Sleepwalkers. Oh, my God. The, the cat <laughs> movie directed by Nick Garris and written by Stephen King. Fantastic. Um, okay, and then page 90... Flag lights his finger and the blue light scares Thomas and Thomas throws his hands up to protect himself thinking it's another one of Flag's bat tricks and he says no bats Tommy didn't I promise and he, so he calls him Tommy for short maybe he's a Tommy knocker wow okay so <laughs> I thought you were going to do another shining I thought, thing nice. I thought you were like oh you mean like the bats that scratched Cujo or something at least we <laughs> come up with better ones Justin oh that would be a, that would be a reach Justin that would, that's, that's absurd <laughs> Uh, yeah, do you have anything no, else but, on your end? 
Well, we, we, we've mentioned a lot already. No, I think, I think we did. I just, the reverse of Shawshank in a way, um, going in the pipe versus leaving, leaving the pipe. The pipe. Yeah. Yeah, that's um, good. I, I guess just for me, I, I'm obsessed with the flag mythology. Mm. So just getting any more of a clear idea of how old he is. So they said, mentioned that he'd been around 400 years prior to the events of this book. Yeah. Right. And that this book takes place a long time before the Dark Tower. So you can mm. assume now that he's this, you know, thousands of years old. Yeah. And it just gives us a little more insight to this idea that, yeah, he keeps reappearing. He is Merlin. You know, he he's the executioner. He kind of goes away and comes back. And I just think that's always cool to get. This is probably the most you get from Flag other than the Dark Tower. Yeah. This is the most I would want to get from him, too. Most inner know? monologues yeah. of it. Yeah, and the thing that I like about that is, you know, we're always saying, no, no prequels, don't explain, don't explain, don't explain where these things yeah. come from. They're not scary anymore. But the, the good thing about Flag is that it doesn't matter how far you go back, We're still. it's never the origin. We yeah. don't know. He, he doesn't even know how long he's been around. Yeah. So it's always, like, just fun to have him in the story, and he's always scary. Uh, there were a couple things that I did notice. Mentions uh, of uh, the priest named Curran. Yes, I looked that up too because yeah. he says he, I'm going to bring him back up, and he never actually. Right. I had that written too, but yeah. So I him. thought maybe this was like maybe we could say maybe it's supposed to be like Father Callahan, like may, like I a, thought that too. Yeah. You know, a bit of a, a you know a double in this universe kind of thing. Um, Twinner maybe. Yeah, and then also at the at, towards the end, we, at page three eighty, like the mention of it, the adventures of Thomas and Dennis. And I know that you, I think you guys said that that does happen later on. They, yes. They, yeah. They say they meet flag mentioned again, but like coming into town. They like, cross, yeah, they cross paths with them, but that's another but, story. Yeah. They yeah. don't really get, uh, you'll have to that. tell me what story that's actually in. It's in a dark tower story later on. I'm I pretty it's sure it's in right? the third book. Yeah. It's just, it's such an aside. It's another instance of, but that's another story. Right. They don't go into it at all, and then right. we never hear about it again. But are we supposed to believe that it's actually them, and how old would they be? At that well, point? again, the history here, the mythology is so loose, yeah. who knows? And this yeah. is kind of told as a legend, I guess. Exactly, exactly. Did you guys know that before I started reading this, I thought that there was a twist to the book, and I mm. thought, I was convinced that near the end of the book, it would become exposed that it was actually modern day or like something was, was weird and like flag was visiting from modern day and like he would step through like a brick portal and all. What made you think that? Because someone at one point was like, Oh yeah, the twist in that book is so good. And I think they mixed it up with a different book. I wonder what, and I was what uh, they thought. The twist is napkins. <laughs> uh, dollhouse, folks. You'll never see it coming. The um, title of the book is Napkins. What? <laughs> that guy really wishes to be called Napkins, yeah. but they still have the, the dragon art on the front oh, of it, sorry. though. We're all falling apart here. <laughs> just Can I do... There's one, the one more Dark Tower reference. Yeah, go ahead. Um, go ahead. And this does actually kind of play with the idea of how long this was. Um, so Roland's grandfather is Alaric Henry DeShane. Hmm. And they say he actually went to the barony of Garland to slay a dragon, but he found that it had already been killed. And it's like, yeah. is this what? Roland's dragon that he had killed? Uh, there's, it's like yes. a mixture of, of stories being told about Midworld. Yeah. So, you know, that's, the, yeah. that's what I get from this book, most of all. If, if we look at it, you know. Yeah, and it's like the flag stuff, too, where it's, it's like the Joker origin story. A lot of it contradicts itself. Yeah. But that's kind of what makes it work is this mystery still, and... It's like a Rashomon kind of understanding Plus of what's going the, on. Plus we get the filter of the king narrator. So even though we are getting some of Flag's internal monologue, it's not entirely dependable because he's always apologizing for his storytelling abilities. Mm-hmm. So it is right. close to Flag, but it's also not ruining Flag. But like maybe maybe in the original version of this, the narrator was Flag. <laughs> It was even more. It ends with, I hope you enjoy my story. I'm Randall Flag. No, I'll see <laughs> well, you all well, soon. Yeah. Well, that would have been a cool <laughs> twist, though. At the end, if we realized that the narrator was actually like, evil, you know. 
Uh, oh, well, sad. <laughs> Sorry, Stephen. And now I'm going to kill you all. Yeah. Anything else before I go? I've got a special section I want to, oh, to, wow. to go into here. Uh, yeah, I don't have. No, I don't have anything else. Right. I think that's it for the old Dominion surprise section. I'm going to be calling the humiliation of Stephen King and Peter Straub's children. So again, this is dedicated to Naomi King and Ben Straub, uh, Peter Peter King, Peter King, the, the Sports Illustrated writer. No, Peter Straub and Stephen King at this point were working on the Talisman book when this was all going on. So that's why they got to know each other pretty well. This must have humiliated Naomi and Ben. I've got a couple of passages here. How old were they? They uh, Naomi, I think, was thirteen. I'm, I'm assuming oh, Ben wow. was that's around that age. Old. Yeah, well, yeah, old enough and young enough to be embarrassed by some of these yeah, passages. Right at that perfect age where it really gets embarrassing. Oh, so here we go. So this is a line from Ben. Under the circum, or this is a thought about Ben. Under the circumstances, the possibility of being snowbound with a girl as beautiful as Naomi would have delighted him, but not while a kingdom might be won and lost twenty miles to the east. Can you imagine like the terror and the horror of Naomi King reading this, <laughs> or Ben Ben reading this? Like, oh. Dad, Dad, or Mr. King, please, Mr. King, please. Um, Dennis praises Ben for his work. And then Naomi goes, please, I wouldn't go that far, Naomi said. But by then her grin was so broad it seemed in danger of splitting her head in two. Hot. Hot. She reached over, put her arms around Ben, and kissed him soundly. Ben turned an absolutely alarming shade of red. He looked as if he might be on the verge of bursting his brain, as they said in Delane in those long ago days. I must tell you, though, that he also looked delighted. So here's Jesus, two children with their heads about to <laughs> oh go full God. scanners after a kiss. Yeah, two, and they're both heads exploding. Like, yes. Couldn't think of any other description of like her head goes into Bursting. It, and then his head exploded. And it, is, I was hoping that wasn't even like a sexual saying, bursting his, his brain. Yeah, I don't think he was. Yeah. I hope not, because Justin. that would be even worse. I'm just, it's Stephen King. He's talking about the king talking about what his dick looks like on page three. I don't know what's going on with this guy. Uh, the son of my good friend thought that my daughter was very pretty and <laughs> very grew, pretty. grew aroused. Like, very pretty indeed. Yeah, he very, did not need pretty. the king's iron to finish the anyway, deed. Anyway, so long story short, my condolences to young Naomi King and young Peter Straub. I'm sure this was a very they did not get together, troubling by time. By the way, they definitely did not get together if we know the history of, of both of them. And they have the dog is frisky, too. That's a little Ooh, sexual as well. It's smoking. Like, it's like, would you like to come with me and Frisky. Well, that's the end of my little special section. I, I, I couldn't find anywhere else to, to read those passages, okay. but yeah, yeah. yeah, but it's kind of innocent in a way, you know. I didn't want to. I didn't want to sully the name of Pound Cake. What? I don't know. Uh, I think it's time to give our Robert Pennyworth clown noses. Let's go to our overall thoughts. Dad, can we go now? You ready? Yeah, we've been ready for an hour. <laughs> okay, I'll be right there. He said that a half hour ago. Yeah, my dad's weird. He gets like that when he's writing. This book was kind of a slog for mm. me. I really do like epic fantasy, and I am surprised by the descriptions on the backs of your books because this is not epic. It takes place in a single kingdom, most of it in a single room. Mm. There's one escape. I mean, I suppose it takes place over a long time frame. Um, but I got a little bored. It moved pretty slowly for me. And I don't think uh, epic is a word that it, it no. deserves. No. Um, not enough dragons. I mean, that that's a full nose to mirror right there. <laughs> and <laughs> it's just confusing to me. I feel like its messages are muddled. 
the good bits are contradicted by the bits that seem to get more focus. Uh, the whole like predestination thing about kingliness is confusing to me when presented against the other case of Thomas. So while there is some good character work in here for like two characters, um, and I do appreciate King trying on a different hat, so to speak, um, I am going to have to give it like two. Two? Two by Pennywise Pennywise Clown Clown Noses. Okay. All right. Mac. Yeah, I'm giving it two bright red Pennywise Clown Noses as well. All right. I mean, you know, the Dark Tower references aren't enough for, you know, that's like a star. Uh, no, I just, it, it was a bit of a slog. It felt really long. I also felt like that, you know, maybe this isn't the book for, for me. Maybe this is for a younger audience, but even then, you know, you know, you read these Potter books and stuff and those are gripping. Yeah. You're flying through it. This was a, this was a chore. It really was. And like, I just didn't, um, really connect to it. So we got two bright red yeah. Pennywise clown noses between the two of you. Dan. Um, so I actually kind of enjoyed it. And I remember when I read it back in the day enjoying it. I think in part it's because Flag is such a prominent character. Mm. So I can ignore all the other stuff just to get more of him. But the audiobook was actually a really good experience. Um, that makes a huge difference if it's a good, if it's a well-read audiobook. Yeah, too, it, yeah, it was really engaging. And, you know, it's like on the train. It's almost like having a podcast going. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sort of written like it's meant to be read aloud, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it yeah. feels kind of like a play in a lot of ways. Like, it's not a lot of sets. You know, I, I could really see this being stage reading. Well, um, the narrator seems like a character, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah. And I, like I said, like, Bronson, his vocal range was great. And apparently he's narrated, like, hundreds of books. And, like, I would highly recommend... What if he just did it in the Balky accent from Perfect Strangers? I could not, like, stop laughing (laughs) for the first few chapters when I found out it was him. But So I'll give it three bright red Pennywise nose, clown noses. Yes, you got Um, it. And because it's got flag in it, I will also give it a grain of dragon sand. Oh, spooky. Careful where you put that. Yeah. I will place it right on the nose. But the nose is not affected because it's so evil. Half-Life was Yeah, we'll, we'll check in in 10,000 years and see if it's deteriorated. <laughs> I'm with you. I still I don't like – I did not like this book as much the second go-around. Um, I still enjoyed so much of the Dark Tower-ness of it all. So I will also give it uh, three bright red Pennywise Clown Nose. It's, it's a light – it's a soft recommendation for me. I'll say that much. I, I like, again, the napkins and dollhouse aspect of it. I love all the stuff with Flag. The only major problem I had was in the in the first half, if this makes sense, how about this? If there's four acts, the third act, in which we follow so much of Ben and Dennis, and I keep mixing the two of them up. But I really like the conclusion. And I think if the conclusion didn't land for me, I probably would have been in the same boat as you two. And I probably would have knocked it down a half a half a nose or two, half a nose or or one for that matter. So for me, it's it's a it's a it's a light recommendation. Uh, but the recommendation nonetheless. And so that comes out to an average of two and a half bright red Pennywise clown noses. And of course, courtesy of Dan, a grain of dragon sand. So overall, we don't recommend this as a, as a group. We are, we do not recommend it. Might as well not exist. It's a perfectly <laughs> even neutral stance. All it really is. It's like, it's like, okay, this book exists. <laughs> as uh, Thomas and Dennis go off into the distance, all I could see was, uh, you know, I was trying to think of the end of, Lo- of Lord of the Rings where they going off and, you know, on mm. the white ships. But all I could think of was the end of Legend. <laughs> was it like waving? Yeah, because because their tangerine dream in the background. Their, their coat of arms, I think, is a unicorn uh, spearing stabbing a, a dragon. Stabbing a dragon. 
And then I, so I had a unicorn in my head and then I, so I just saw them like running off this unicorn and then we see flag appear like well, darkly. I think you've just uh, made clear what the fade out song of this episode will be. He'll be that Tangerine oh, yeah. Dream song from the end of the theatrical version, of course. That's right. Of Legend, not the Jerry Goldsmith score. Well, thanks again for listening to the Losers Club each and every week. Please be sure to spread word about the podcast if you there haven't no already. There are adaptations of this, by the way. Oh, there, oh wait, yeah, wait, wait, wait. Actually, I found one on YouTube. Oh, wait, well, that, Don't worry, Mom. I know all about cannibalism. I saw it on TV. See? It's okay. You saw it on the television. So I just, with most books that I read, I go to YouTube after and I put them in just to see what's out there. And there was actually like high school kids made a 12 minute adaptation of this, what? but it's like a silent movie. That so sounds great. Yeah. It's, it's, it's actually pretty cute. Like it's <laughs> oh, the little kids. It's Randall flag. flag. Yeah, yeah. And the Randall flag has like a green, oh, yes. baby flag. he has like oh. a Joker wig on. Um, they definitely, it's funny cause there's like some sexy time. Like when they have the Roland entering after eating the dragon and they kind of look at the camera and then jump under the sheets. And then the next shot is them like holding a teddy bear. <laughs> I've got oh. to find this. How many noses would you give this, this only existing adaptation? Short film. I felt a little creepy watching it, to be honest, after a while. <laughs> um, but it, but it was good. It was, you know, it, it hit a lot of the major scenes and it was, you know, you could see like the swimming pool in the backyard and it just feels oh. like it's the kind of movie that me and my friends would make growing up. We're going to have to find this and share it. On our on our Facebook, but there page. are no professional adaptations. No, there are no, no movie. No. There's no TV series. There was a development hell thing going on like 15 years ago. I think Sci-Fi Channel was involved back when it was actually spelled out Sci-Fi Channel before it went ah, cute yes. with the SYFY. Yeah. But that's it. I don't think it'd make a very good. I don't, yeah, because I feel like there's such a tribute to other f- better fairy tales. You know, where it's like, why even bother making this version? Napkins. Of it? Yeah, you know, in the trailer they would AMC. show. They would show the rope of napkins hanging out in yeah. the trailer, and you would be like, "That's the like, whole oh my god, point that's it, the- that's it." So it would be called like Tangled, but it would be like Tangled. This version, Tangled was a Disney film instead of the name of Rapunzel. That's all I remember from that film. She had and a chameleon sidekick. That's right. Where did they come up with the chameleon sidekick for that story? I could not tell you. They were like, "Well, what have we done? What have we not done?" We've done Eddie Murphy as a red dragon. Someone with, was like, "Oh, with cuttlefish." Mulan. They were like, "No, she's not underwater." Bill, get out of here. <laughs> what <laughs> else changes color? Bill, I wish cute. you were a chameleon. <laughs> Wait a minute. Okay. On that note, everybody, <laughs> what better way to go out than talking about Rapunzel? Thanks again for listening to the Losers Club each and every week. Please be sure to spread word about the podcast if you haven't already. And if you haven't already, what more do you want from us? Yikes. Be sure to leave us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or wherever else you may listen to us. It really does help. We'll be back with more news next week, but in a couple weeks, we'll be releasing our second Souls Midnight episode. It was a big hit last year. Spooky, spooky. So if you missed our first one, be sure to go back and check that one out. It's a bit of a departure from our king theme episodes, but some would say it might be even a little spookier. As the ghosts will say. But more, oh, I got really, really creepy all of a sudden here. And, but in terms of book preparation in April, folks, we're heading out to the territories. Oh, yeah. With Traveling Jack for the Talisman. So you have a month to read that book and you will need it. <laughs> so until next time, long, long days, days and, and pleasant, pleasant nights. nights. Bye. I got some hot friends. God, I got some hot
Consequence Podcast Network.